Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we move on to our first segment, wanted to give a quick shout out to at EGG122 in the UK who writes, five stars from an ex-pro in England starting my coaching career. Very interesting to hear all your views and insights. GK Union all the way, exclamation point. Thanks, EGG. And if you want to get a shout out, just leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It literally takes 10 seconds and helps us out tremendously. If you don't have an iPhone, then borrow a friend's iPhone. It's just that easy. Thanks again for all the support, and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid, live from Hollywood, California. With me, you know her as 99 World Cup winner, Suskia Weber, uh, Las Vegas Lights distribution goalkeeper coach King, Omar <laughs> Zini. <laughs> Solid session this morning, dude. Solid session. We got it. We got to shout that out right there. Thank you. <laughs> and, jo- and joining us uh, as a guest panelist today, guys, we have racing Louisville goalkeeper coach Sergio Gonzalez. Uh, Sergio, this is a treat, man. Uh, we mentioned that you were coming on the show and then people just started sharing it left and right. So I guess you're a big deal. I don't think so, but thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm uh, a big fan of the show and uh, excited to, to be able to talk to you guys for uh, for this episode. I mean, honestly, man, I mean, it's it's, it's really cool. I mean, we, we talk about this all the time, and obviously, you know, we, we do it at nauseum and all that. But, like, just the fact that people, you know, in the league, you know, respect what we're doing. They, they like the discussions that we have. They feel like they're benefiting from it. It means a heck of a lot to us, you know, because, uh, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think we'd be still be doing it anyway, even if no one was listening. Uh, I think we just need to hear our voices. <laughs> we used to, man. We got we to gotta take people through like the, the early days, Mike. When Mike used to come over to my house, he would drive like 45 minutes to my house. We had brand new equipment, trying it out. And like my Wi-Fi was not, was always shaky. We have to do like a, a 30 for 30. If we ever get to that oh, point, we have big to. enough. And then I, I remember I got brought in and we were at um, – uh at the studio <laughs> at a friend at a friend's yeah. house a client's house and there was like a table set up and like backdrop and everything and i would come in like like with a button up like dressed up like i was on like like fox or espn or something like that and i'd come in sweat <laughs> sweating I'd, I'd like blow my hair out i'd be like all like and then we do clips and all this stuff and now it's like i'm at home I will say, though, that one the one benefit of the pandemic, Sergio, and you probably can attest to this as well, too, is that, you know, even though it was obviously an unfortunate situation in so many different respects, the fact we were able to continue this going and even actually expand on it and take it to that next level uh, with the capabilities of, you know, uh, streaming services and conference calls and all that sort of stuff really has benefited the entire goalkeeping community, yeah, not just I mean, for our show, but other people. You know. Absolutely. I mean, the number of goalkeeping Zooms that I was on where people were just sharing ideas or we'd get a different person to come in and present um, to a group was just awesome. And just the, the willingness to to share and, and you know, be able to to give feedback on things and just talk about stuff was, was unbelievable. 
So, so let's 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 talk a little bit about that for maybe some people out there who are kind of unfamiliar with you. Maybe they they're just starting to get into the league, weren't kind of familiar with your background, you know, coaching in college and everything like that. Why don't you tell them a little bit about how you know you start out in the college game and then you know kind of transition into the pro game? Yeah, so I um I started my coach career at Slippery Rock University in Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania. Oh uh, my gosh, <laughs> I know that I know where that is. <laughs> Hey, Good I grew up in Princeton, yeah. I'm an East Coast girl. I know Slippery Rock University, right on. Graduated- By the way, that that sounds like. Oh, go, go ahead. No, no, I graduated college. I had no idea what I wanted to do. My coach is like, "You should go be a grad assistant." And I was like, "What's that?" And he's like, "Well, they pay for you to get your grad degree and you can coach." And I'm like, "I'll give it a go." And the only place I was looking for somebody at the time was Slippery Rock. <laughs> I mean, my favorite thing about Slippery Rock is like it's hard not to say it without laughing, and I, I'm sure that I'm sure they they can't stand that. But it does sound like in like one of those '80s comedies, like a fictional university yep. <laughs> that they've created for like some teen romp. Well, you'd wear the the way they have the S. It looks a lot like the Michigan State S. So you go recruiting, and people would think Michigan State, and you're like, oh, sorry, Slippery Rock, <laughs> <laughs> just catfishing everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're kind of there are a couple of those back east i think some yeah. of those like fictitious name universities <laughs> yeah oh, oh my gosh that's so i was there minute. for six seasons um i worked with the men's and women's program in the beginning and then i worked um just with the women's program as i finished up getting my master's and was a part-time assistant uh, i worked for noreen hurley there who's a, at the university of Akron now tremendous woman tremendous coach was a great person to, to learn from um from there i went to the university of dayton and i worked for mike tucker for five years there, six years there, um, and then transitioned over to be a head coach for two years at the New Jersey Institute of Technology, which to go back to my Slippery Rock story, we're in NJIT gear. They thought we worked for New, Tra- New Jersey Transit, and we're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't think those two get that idea. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Which which station? Which, which yeah. station were you at? So realize as a head coach, you don't get to do nearly as much as what you like to do as an assistant, um, especially when it comes to being able to work with the goalkeeper. So went back to being an assistant coach. I was at Indiana for for six years after that um, and then had the opportunity to go over on the men's side for two years um, at Ohio State University uh, with Brian Mazinoff. Um, so I was there for a short period of time, um, ended up going back to Indiana, and then the opportunity came to join the racing staff, um, and it was uh, – you know, something I could not pass up on um, after 20 years in the college game to be able to take that next step in my career um, and be able to be part of the league was was just an awesome opportunity. So I've been here since April. Um, so I wasn't quite with Michelle, Trey working with Michelle when she was on the show. I joined um, probably about a month later. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it was this podcast that made you that finally what that was the final uh, the nail that uh, that said. You know what? Now I got to cut. I now I got to come to Louisville. I just saw yeah. her on this podcast. Uh, this is the person I want to work with. And what a phenomenal month she's had. I oh, mean, really, really, really. Insane. Just what a tremendous woman she is, and, and a tremendous goalkeeper. And how she's continued to be successful in this league, and what she's been able to do is 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 amazing to work with her. Um, and also to be so willing and so open to to trying different things and tweaking things and, and improving her game on a daily basis for someone who's been in the league as long as she has and had the career that she has. It's, it's amazing that, you know, how willing she is to continue to grow and evolve. And I've had, to, it's been great working with her these past, you know, three months. You know, I mean, I, I love what you just said right there, Sergio, um, you know, and, and Omar, you know, kind of throw, throwing it back to you right now, because obviously, Sergio, as you know, Omar, this is his first year in the professional game as well, too. He yeah, can only handle so two years in the college game, three yeah. years. Two years. Uh, I'm going to do one more year, so three years, yeah. 
Oh, okay. You can. You're gonna. Okay. So three years in the college game before uh, before he decided to uh, to start start talking to the big boys here and everything like that. But um, you know, Omar, I think one thing that that you kind of brought up as well too when you kind of started out in the pro game is that immediately you recognize the fact that the reason that they're at that level is because they have that hunger to learn and keep learning, regardless of who's working with them. Yeah, I mean, even today, uh, our goalkeeper Alex Alex Rando. Uh, she's uh, uh, Alex Rando for. for uh, I'm sorry. You're just moving, moving your chair around is like all this commotion. Uh, what are you talking? Nobody can see me. We all see you. No, we can. I can. I can hear what's going on. Are you moving your desk? I don't know what you're moving. Uh, but uh, but no, yeah, yeah. Alex Alex Rando, for example, one of our goalkeepers. I still remember like the first um, game he was supposed to start against Phoenix. You know, before practice, he was doing all these, you know, uh, passing and it looked it looked kind of bad. We're just looking at him like, why are you, you know, you're just playing left foot, right foot in training sessions, left foot, right foot a day, you know, a day out before the game. And he's missing the target. He's hitting it over the top. He's, you know, putting it too short and it didn't look good on him. And I walked up to him. I was like, hey, look, we have a game tomorrow and I understand that you're trying new things. But to continue having the confidence between us and the coaching staff, keep it simple. And it was like, Omar, I have these goals, you know, every season that I want to be able to hit, uh, you know, uh, 25 left-footed uh, services about, you know, right around chest height in, 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 in games. So throughout the season, I want to continue adding those up. And he's like, I have all these goals and aspirations for myself that I draw out. And then I was like, now it makes me realize, like you said, Mike, there are players who do the little things differently since they were younger. And there's a reason why they're good at what they do. And us as coaches, now it's a bit, I tell them like, well, I'll facilitate that in training. We have a game tomorrow, keep it simple, but I'll continue to facilitate that. So like you have those guys, you just kind of go, oh, wow. Okay, these guys are legitimate for a reason and they've separated themselves for a reason. And some of these guys go to college one or two years and they separate themselves. And when they actually come to, you know, join the uh, MLS roster or USL roster, you get to see, okay, it's, it's you're better served here developing training almost every day versus in college where you're going in, you know, a game every two days kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and I, I think, uh, you know, Suske, you know, this is something that we, we brought up with you. And by the way, Sergio, feel free to step in at any time yeah. you want. But uh, but Suske, you've brought up the fact that, you know, it's so, so important to encourage people to keep doing things that have made them successful and have gotten them to the level that they're at right now, rather than trying to, uh, you know, you know, put restraints on them or, you know, or be negative about something that may not necessarily be the orthodox way to do it, but it's worked for them. And that's what makes them special, really. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a certain amount of management that comes into to dealing with pro at this level, a pro goalkeeper or a national team goalkeeper or anything like, yes, um, you want to keep encouraging things. But again, you're there to reel them in. Um, and make sure, Omar, I don't think it's a mistake to say, hey, you know, you have a game tomorrow um, and stuff like that. But I think at the same time, whatever it, they've done to to get to the point they are, you want you want to reward that and you want to champion that as well. And if you can m morph that into your training sessions and into like I said, you don't clock in and clock out. That's not how you, you become the best. Sorry. Like yeah. you don't just show up to practice, clock in, clock out, and and go home and play video games and do it again the next day. Like there's so much extra that goes on to being the best, and and we don't want to take that away from that mentality in any player. Yeah, I think you offer challenges to him too, and say, hey, what do you think about this, or have you thought about this? And I think that's something I you know try to do on a daily basis is kind of reassess it and say, you know, have you thought about maybe your starting position a little deeper, a little higher, or, you know, these are your strengths. How can we, you know, 
hone them more? How can we, how can we lay, you know, allow you to, to use, utilize them more and really kind of just ask some, some questions and kind of probe and prod a little bit and see how we can, you know, tweak the little details. Yeah. Uh, you, you, go ahead, Omar. No, Sergio, I just want to ask you a question. Cause I, I, I asked uh, Paul Rogers and Phil Wedden a few months back, and they obviously were in the women's national team system for many years. And I asked them, like, you know, when you guys uh, transitioned to the men's pro game, like, you know, was it hard to understand the characteristics of, like, uh, the guys there? And, you know, were you having days where you weren't confident, a little bit nervous? And they were like, yeah, of course you have that. But at the end of the day, too, the biggest transition for us was going from the women's game to the men's game. And then, so, you know, that, that was the biggest transition for us in terms of like getting the guys on the same page as us. So did you ever have that kind of issue um, when you transitioned from the women's game to the men's game? I didn't, you know, I kind of looked at it as this is goalkeeping and kind of, you know, <laughs> what does the game present? And I don't think I, I coached the goal. I don't think my sessions changed at all. I think maybe the tweaks from a, maybe from a physical perspective, there were some things that were, that may have changed, but I tried to look at it as, and tried to keep it um, in what I think is important for goalkeeping and how can I help, enhance these goalkeepers um yeah. with what they're going to see no i, I mean, agree it, i mean as you know i trained with men my entire career so and you know tim moqueen like lodge those guys they never tweaked because i was a woman training with Rutgers men or training with the yeah. men it was just goalkeeping period so I mean, let me let me correct that so i don't want to put any words in phil <laughs> and paul's mouth but no what the case was, was that like from the men's perspective of getting coaches that have only worked with like in the women's game, I think that was their like, you know, okay, I don't, I don't I'm not coming in here to prove anything to you that, you know, I was yeah. at the women's game, you know what I'm saying? Like prove yeah, something to you. It's like, more absolutely. like you said. It's and that was something game. for me, for sure. I think as coming in and them thinking, all right, well, this guy hasn't coached guys. He's been coaching on the women's side for a long time. And what I tried to do was just talk to them about goalkeeping and have them understand kind of what my thoughts were about things. And that, you know, I don't have this one paint, this one brush that I, I stroke everything the same. And I think goalkeeping is the same. I said, we're going to look at you as individuals and make you better. And this is what I think is important about goalkeeping. Now, you know, it's going to be a little bit different for each of you individually, but these are the things to me that, that are going to help you be successful. Um, yeah. I mean, I think know. the big question is what is it hard to like step down a level? Oh, sorry. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. You guys. Is that what you're asking, Omar? My thing is, was it my hard thing to is go all... from champions to like trying to make champions? I, I don't know. Is that the problem here? Is no, that what no, you're no. Asking? That's not... Is there a big difference? Is that the no, point? No, no. Like, how's from... it? How's it coaching like the best in the world to uh, like the thirtieth? Like, what are we gonna do? <laughs> I, I didn't. The thing is, I, I I didn't bring that part up. They were the ones. They were the ones who said. Yeah, it was. It's just sometimes a challenge to to go to the men's game when you've been in the women's drop, game. That's what yeah, they brought up. Exactly. Yeah, and so, and it's, from an experience it's like going, it's it's like going from pro to like you know, I don't know, D three or yeah. something. What are you gonna do? Sorry, you walked right into that. You walked right into that. I mean, he he did he he did walk into that, and he also was throwing people under the bus with that. (laughs) I wasn't. No, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. (laughs) I was just. And Sergio picked it up right where exactly what I was trying to get. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know. I'm kidding. For the record, I will say I will I will say this though, just to just to to kind of help you out there, Omar. Maybe. Maybe it was a little bit of a different time, you know. We're talking about mid two thousands, early two thousands, as opposed to now. I think the younger generation right now, you know, Suskia, we've even we've even discussed this on the show. When you took the UCLA gig, your club players, you know, they said, "Oh, you're doing the men too." 
It yeah. never even dawned on them that you wouldn't be doing that, that you wouldn't be doing the men Absolutely. at the same time as well, too, because you Absolutely. did both at the club. Absolutely. Like they it was an automatic from my my boy goalkeepers, my young men goalkeepers to women. Oh, oh, so you're coaching both teams. You're coaching the goalkeepers across the board. And I'm like, no, I'm just with the women and stuff. But I, I was actually really pleasantly surprised by that question, to be honest. I thought that was awesome. Am I like is my connection off? Yeah, your connection's a little bit off. You're a little, yeah, little, little like. This. I don't know what this means, but that's it's okay. Uh, it's okay. I, I, I got, I got Omar good today, so I'm just happy. About <laughs> that's uh, yeah. my, that's, that's my impression right there. Oh, hold on, I we think, got to, we go ahead, Omar. No, I think I mean for for example, for me moving from I mean just the question that I pose to them uh, is just general. Like when you move up a level or when you move from men's leagues or women's stuff like that, you just like there's a certain confidence level from a coach where you want to obviously come in there and make sure that from the get-go, you're respected in a sense. So yeah. I think for me, even even going from like the college game and now in the pro game, those guys obviously know me from my Instagram and YouTube channel because they've watched my stuff. But I mean, for me, it's more so like, okay, I went from the college game where these are the guys that I prepared. And now obviously, like we talked about earlier, these guys have separated themselves and kind of bypassed college and they're stepping into a first team role or you know being the starter for a second division team like Las Vegas Lights. So for me, it's like, okay, I want to make sure that I bring something to the table that they've never seen before. When in reality, doing that, I think, puts unfair pressure on yourself. I think that's where you kind of go wrong sometimes and you start trying to do too much when, like you said, Sergio, goalkeeping is goalkeeping. Try to obviously advance the individual and making sure you're bringing the best to the table every, every time you go out there. Yeah, And that was what I think I tried to do when I was here. Um, you know, when I first got here, I sat down and had a coffee with all of our goalkeepers and just said, listen, this isn't about me and what I want and what my philosophy is. This is about you and how you want to develop and how I can help you on the journey and what can I do? Um, you know, and I think that's I think that's important, that, you know, to, to go with what you're saying, Omar. You don't want to put undue pressure on yourself or go in there and make it seem like, well, this is about me and what I think about goalkeeping at the end yeah. of the day about the goalkeepers we have and how are we going to make them better? I'm a very small part of their journey, but my job is to, it's to help them grow. So what do you need? How do you see things? And this is kind of how I, you know, how I see things and how can we mesh this together and, and go. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about what you said, like for me, I think we are such a community and such a union. Um, I think it's amazing. And so even going onto the field with UCLA and that, that was stepping up a level for me. Absolutely. I was just doing club and privates and, and stuff. And, um, but just even the collaboration with Juan with the men and him saying, Hey, can you hang out and watch my keepers and give me your feedback? And I said, vice versa, you know, and they're goalkeepers period. Um, and I thought that, you know, as long as we stick to that, you know, the transition is, is, irrelevant to me yeah you know speaking of the journey right there i don't know if you guys saw but there was a comment that just uh popped up right there uh, the one and only daniel ball from gotham fc who said i'd like to recognize surge as being globally elite he has been a huge part of my journey and i continue to lean on him every day for advice uh sergio i think you know one thing before kind of we before we kind of go into this topic right now how massive is that how important is that when uh when a young professional coach you know, like an, like an Omar joins the, the, the professional ranks that maybe some of the more veteran, you know, professional coaches, you know, in the league really help them out and kind of get, you get their yeah. feet, you know, kind of under them. I think it's all about paying it back. I mean, I was fortunate to, to work at, to work for soccer plus when, you know, for Tony for a long time, um, you know, I was able to work with Paul and Phil and Lisa Cole and John Cohn and Nate Kip and so many other people who helped me as a young coach that, 
it's a responsibility, I think, for us as as, as older members of the of the union to uh, to help um, to help younger coaches as they come in. Um, no, I totally, I so totally agree with you. I was a soccer plus coach too. It was my first coaching gig at a co- in college, out of college, and getting to my, you know, mine too. Getting coached with Tony, Bill Steffen, like yeah. everybody. Like, are you kidding me? It was such an education for me across the board, um, even while I was still playing. Um, and so, you know, it is pay it back. Absolutely. With Blage. That's, with, that's with the biggest thing I think I learned from, from working for Sarah. It was just that it's, that it's that pay it back culture. And I think that's mm-hmm. what makes, you know, the, the, the goalkeeping union so special is that we're willing to do that. And, I think everybody and I lean on Dan probably just as much as he leans on me and, and Lloyd as well. I mean, the three of us have a chat. We talk every day and I think it's important to have people that you're comfortable bouncing ideas, you know, off of, because we're all going to go through different challenges as we go through our seasons, whether it's a club season, college season, professional season. Um, we don't all have all the answers and we certainly need, you know, sounding boards and, and people that, you know, yeah. can give us that feedback that we need sometimes or that, that kick in the rear end we need sometimes, or, or even sometimes a, you know, a pat on the back or a hand on the shoulder, you know, depending on how the week is. No, absolutely. Yeah. And I've, I i don't know about you two, Mike and Omar, but I've absolutely reached out to my mentors and stuff and asked for help and asked for guidance on certain things, whether it be, um, I'll always reach out to you from now on, Omar, whether it be drills <laughs> or this or that or the other. But yeah, you know, and they're there for me. I, I will say this, though. I think we will let uh, Omar stay on this panel, despite the fact that he did not work at Soccer Plus, unlike all of us right here. So we will. Because uh, we'll, he's a we'll, puppy. <laughs> we would have been his. We would have been his coaches. I know. He would have been. <laughs> that would have been awkward. The soccer Plus. Oh, I, I, so bad that I met my at Soccer Plus. My wife and I were oh, staff together. No way. Really? Yeah. Yep. We're both. Staff you guys were both staff. And that's oh, how we got. Uh, here we are, like twenty years later. So. Yeah, it would have been awkward, Omar. I've been like, oh, Omar, do you remember all those like pee breaks you had to take, or like, or, like when you were crying and stuff? Like, I couldn't do it. I, I will say though, I think I mean for any any of the young goalkeeper coaches out there, if you are like you don't have a mentor or something like that, if, in my opinion, what helped me is just posting on social media, uh, for better or for worse. Sometimes people would write very like you know mean and. and you know, tro- trolly comments to kind of make you go, okay, like, you know, screw this guy. Am I actually a good coach? Or there's sometimes people will give you good feedback and be like, Hey, I'm criticizing, but I'm obviously, I want to make sure that it's, uh, you know, moving you in the right direction. So I think posting your content on social media and then having something to present to someone like Sergio uh, or Lloyd or Dan, just like, Hey, I have this, you know, video and, and, you know, five minutes of their time, they, they look at it, they say, Hey, there's a good promise here. You could change this up. And that's, that'll set you on your way. And I think, uh, you know, that's, that's huge. So let's uh let's 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 move into this topic right now, guys. I uh after we've all been uh just patting each other on the back on how wonderful we are uh, as as mentors <laughs> and goalkeeper coaches and all that. Um, uh, I guys, today's topic. I, I know, I know you did. I know you did it. <laughs> I'm saying it for myself. Um, today's topic, guys, is uh is positional adjustments. Uh, how to create time and space with your positional adjustments. Uh, Sergio, for maybe the non-goalkeeping nerds out there who are tuning into this and they're like, we have no idea what that means. Uh, can you break it down kind of in simple terms for people? Yeah, I think it's creating more time to make saves is what it is and adjusting. I think, you know, the the path of the ball, the flight of the ball, the, the different types of balls that are being used now and how quick they're moving. I think sometimes, you know, 
in the past, I think you've seen goalkeepers be more aggressive in their positioning off their line. But I think now, you know, especially when the ball is 16 yards and maybe deeper, um, being able to position yourself a little a little deeper in the goal to give yourself more time to see a ball and be able to react is really kind of how I look at that. Oh, I, well, I, I, go ahead. Tosh. I I agree with that. I, I think it was because of our podcast that like, no, I had to implement that when I got to, to um, UCLA. Like I think growing up, we were always very aggressive off of our line, very like, you know, get that extra step in, get that preset in right before they take the shot. So you steal that extra yard. And then was it watching that clip uh, Orlando? Um, And I, I realized, no, sometimes you need to, you need more time because the ball's moving so fast and at such pace and with so, so much movement that you need that extra, you need to actually, you need the extra time to adjust and react. Um, by taking too big of a pre-stretch into anything, you, you might just get blown into the back of the net through pure pace. Um, so... But, you know, you just brought up a really good point, Saskia, and, and Omar, I don't know if you've, you, you've noticed this as well, too, but uh, a lot of times, because goalkeeper coaching is evolving and the position consistently is evolving, a lot of the outfield coaches, you know, for lack of a better term, they just haven't had the education yet, so they're giving this information that might be a little bit outdated to their, to their goalkeepers and, and it's getting a little confusing for them at the youth levels because their coach is telling them, keep coming out, keep coming out, keep getting big, you know, cut off as much of the angle, yada, yada. And then their, their goalkeeper coach is telling them to create more depth. You know, is that, is that an issue you've had to deal with? Are you talking about to me? Was to me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I said Omar. Yeah. <laughs> he what, did. Are you, what, are you, what are you watching right now on TV? That's what I want to know. No, no, I'm just listening. Uh, no, but I think. At the levels that I'm at now, I think I don't have to deal with that as much anymore because obviously most of the voices that uh, these guys have heard are, you know, top level coaches from MLS academies. So obviously they've been, you know, filtered through the right messaging. But I think for the younger goalkeepers that I've trained before, I think like Sergio said earlier, it's more of having a discussion with them. And when you have like an open ended discussion of like, hey, tell me what information you got from your coaches, how you perceive that, how you were able to like actually, you know, use that in your game. And then we can have a conversation on that. So. For example, a goalkeeper sometimes on 1v1s, they stay super, super deep. And I was like, hey, I'm driving at you and you've stayed in your goal the entire time. Yeah. And like you said, hey, my, my coach told me I need to stay back so I can actually, you know, have more time to react. I'm like, that's, that's yes. But if they're dribbling at you, you need to come in close. You need, too literal, I was like, too literal. I, was like, yeah. I said, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. How, however, however, how do you feel in those moments? They're like, well, sometimes I feel like a sitting duck. And I'm like, well, okay, so you've got the information, you've tried it, it hasn't been applicable in the way you wanted it to be, and you felt weird, so why don't you try something new? So like, again, what Sergio said, it's more of a discussion than how can we get an answer that we both kind of work towards to get you there, versus like, hey, you got this information and you never really ask questions about it. Yeah, and I think like Sergio said, every goalkeeper's different, and we, we talk about this constantly on the podcast, like, you know, Lauren's going to handle something different than Hannah, the different than E, different than somebody else. Like, you know, maybe like because of E's quickness and stuff like that, she she can take a bigger pre-stretch. She can close it more because her reaction's faster and um, more powerful um, than Lauren. I'm not, this is just an example. If you're watching, it's I'm not saying that you're slower than E. I don't want to. I don't want to text or anything. Just relax. It's just an example. All right. So if Lauren was slower, um, which we all know she isn't, then yeah, let's hold. Let's let's give yourself some more depth. And I think that again 
kids are so literal, you guys out there, that they will do exactly what Omar said. Well, they told me to hold and create depth. Well, not in this situation. I'm back stepping as well. So like, you know, we have that pre-stretch forward, but what about the pre-stretch stepping back? Mm -hmm. And what I've found is so it's such an undertrained movement. And if you look at, you know, if you break a game down and look at our movements, the amount of times we go from, you know, stepping forward to then having to step back and just looking at how their body shape is when they step back, how they're setting, are they prepared to even be able to deal with a shot? Um, so we yeah. do a lot of movements where we're going from a forward movement to a backwards movement where they've got to now balance their body. They've got to keep their nose right. over the toes. There's got to be that, that set position, which I think, you know, especially for younger goalkeepers, the, the earlier you can get comfortable with that, I think the better off yeah. you're going to be. Yeah, and Sergio, I work on that all the time. Like, because we always we're always retreating and then resetting, and with our body weight forward. And young goalkeepers out there, you have to be even when you're moving backwards, your body weight still has to be forward. Your chest still has to be so you can stop, set, react. If you're heel, if you're flat footed on your heels, moving backwards, and you're split second off, and to readjust, and you're done. So I I always it's a huge part of my training to work in that backward motion to then attack a ball or then save a ball because it's what we do a lot. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, have a, I have a question. Go ahead, Omar. No, no. I mean, just to finish off on that point about retreating there, like uh, one of my activations sometimes is I'll have a situation where the goalkeeper will start at the PK spot. They'll start shuffling backwards, like in small little steps. And then the ball can either be a 70, 30 ball slip through, they come and collapse on it, or it gets played a little bit wider. And then that person strikes the ball off a two touch or one touch. So now we're actually, you know, giving the opportunity to ret uh, retreat and recover, but also reading the game. And then obviously now you're getting the triggers of what you're seeing. So you're getting those movements and then you realize I can go on the front foot and collapse on it, or I can drop off and make a save. So it's just like really putting all the pieces together so that I guess that final product, that final save is, is obviously made. And I think that's really important, Omar, because a lot of kid, young kids, we're talking about young goalkeepers out there, they get caught up in retreating to try to get into position. Yes. And mm -hmm. and and it's more important for them to get into position than pay attention to the game. And I'll say a soccer plus saying and everything like that, it's better to be setting out of position than it is to be moving. And yeah. so, so when you're retreating, you still have to pay attention. So as you're trying to get back into that position, what is the ball doing? Is that person about to yeah. strike the ball? Then you have to get set. Is that is that person putting a 50-50 ball in or a 70-30 ball in? And then you have to change up your decision. It's not just about getting back. It's about yeah. the game that's in front Absolutely. of you. Yeah, you know, and, and and just you know, kind of, uh, I want to bring up some of uh, some Sergio's uh, session design in, in a second right here. But something that I, I really wanted to bring up with you, Sergio, because I have a question about this. One issue I have, at least working at the youth level, is when it comes to any sort of retreating movements or a pre-stretch into a retreat movement. It's very stiff. It's very blocky. It's very linear. But the but you know, but that that's not a natural flow. And I I, I found personally, again, everyone moves differently. That if it's a little more of a drop step, if it's a little bit more of a lateral movement, I'm in a better position to recenter myself if I need to, like Suskia was saying, if 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 a deflection's taken or or whatever type of thing. Yeah, and I think it's I think it goes to the individual goalkeeper and kind of how they move. And I think if you even looked at our three goalkeepers here with you know with Michelle, with Katie, and with Shelby, I think they all have a little bit different movement to their back set. Um, but the bottom line for them is to is to make sure that they're balanced, like you said, and ready to be able to deal with deflections and anything that goes that way. What I try to do when I'm doing those back set sessions is almost give them an area that I don't want them to drop beyond necessarily yeah. that 
in an area that they want to cover, if that makes sense. So almost dropping them. I did this just yesterday. You know, there was a marker that I didn't want them to make. I wanted them to make sure they didn't go beyond the marker, that they held their shape in front of the marker. So they were still stepping backwards, but it forced them to kind of to balance and then be able to move laterally. Because what happens, I think, when you're backsetting a lot of times is you just keep moving backwards and you never kind of establish your feet in the ground and the ability to move laterally. Yep. Agreed. Um, all right, let's uh, let, let's pull let's pull this up right here. Let's see if uh, let's see if we can get this uh, this. Sergio, why don't you walk us kind of through the session? Yeah, just right a here. really simple. We do this quite a bit, and it's just to create different scenarios for our goalkeepers, and always dealing with a recovery shot afterwards. Now, sometimes it might be a half volley, sometimes it might be a ball off the ground. Um, but what it forces, especially with the first ball in, is now that ball gets laid off, and now they have to deal with different depths. And now it's that, can I affect the ball or do I have to drop off and deal with it? And what I've found is it allows our goalkeepers to kind of figure out when they need to, to drop off and when they can step down the line and close. And when they need to be a little bit more disciplined, a little bit more patient, it's something we've worked with a ton. Um, and I think you can see in some of the saves Michelle is making in some of our, and in some of our games where she's, where she's held a little bit, um, you know, gives her more time to, to react. So really simple kind of setup, but I think in it, you can create so many different scenarios and so many different talking points with the goalkeepers. Um, you know, I think it goes back to, to like you were saying, if you go back just even to this one here with Michelle, where the balls come off the angle and she's gone beyond the post, um, mm -hmm. if you run back just a hair, so she's comes yeah, in sure. where she steals this, a little bit. This one right here? Mm -hmm. We're right in that here. Right there. Yeah. Where here, I think you just drop off and deal with it instead of coming to narrow the angle. So I think these are discussions we have after training all the time or even in the moment. So we use this type of session just to create different thought processes uh, to so force Sergio, so your 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 recommendation because she gets beat for a post on this, yeah, right, right. So yeah. is that because there's, in your opinion, is there's not enough depth because yeah. she's too far? So this is my point about getting beat because you're too you've taken too close of a, a pre stretch. Like now you're if you mm -hmm. are deeper, you're giving yourself more of a split second to actually, and you're still you're still covering your near post. You're still if you make a have to make a quick save, it'll still go. She's a half a yard a yard deeper than yep. than she she has a near post covered, but she gives herself a split second more time to react and not get beat. And I think better ability to, to steer the ball as well. And I think the one that to me that I think is the, the toughest one is now if that player. So at the top, you know, if they come central, but they take that touch laterally, how many right. goalkeepers then start to creep forward where if they would drop back, they give themselves a much better chance of making that save. And I think it's just trying to paint. And basically with that, we allow our, you know, the player that's receiving the ball, they dictate what goes on. Just make sure it's sharp and realistic, cut inside, cut outside, create as many different scenarios as we can. So we can, we can talk through some of these moments. Now, do we, we don't always talk through them right away just because don't want to stop and, you know, stop and go all the time. But if the same picture keeps presenting itself, you know, we'll, we'll have a, you know, we'll stop and talk about it, but after training, we'll sit and watch and, and kind of go through, this would be one of those where you see that lateral touch there for me. And I think if this was probably about a month ago, if you see some of the more recent stuff we've done, I think you can see a little bit of change in our goalkeepers positioning where they're playing a little bit deeper there to give themselves more time. Yeah. So, but I would, I love this angle. I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of young goalkeeper coaches out there who are watching this, I think, you know, getting it, if you can, if you have the resources to get this shot, 
I think this really helps paint the picture for your goalkeepers when it comes to, you know, creating depth and everything like that. That's much more difficult to get when it's more of a, a static picture uh, from, from an angle, you know, right yeah, behind the goal. Absolutely. At we were lucky. We were in the stadium. I mean, the other session I gave you is more with the GoPro where we've had to kind of adjust, you know, adjust. And even that save there, I think you saw, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit tighter starting position, not as mm-hmm. far down the line, which again, like you said, Saskia's allows her to, to, to be able to respond and react better to that ball. Yeah, and I think uh, for, for me, it's just like the discussion of, okay, if that, that striker is the only person coming in and there's no opportunity for a cutback, then most, I mean, that's the only striker you're looking at. Then obviously, in my opinion, I would step, step up a little bit more because now that trailing leg comes into play because you don't really have to worry about a cutback scenario. So the depth necessarily isn't as important, in my opinion. But if there's like a two-on-one situation or there's opportunities to get cut back, that position to stay back a little bit more, obviously, in, right in front of the post, you can clear that ball uh, around the first post. But also, too, if that ball goes to the near post or the cut back the center position, you're not so vulnerable. You can actually shift back in and you can make a save. So I think, again, it's just those, those discussions as well, like, you know, what, what's, the, what's the play looking like overall? I think yeah. the only issue I have with that is because it's a wall pass and he's striking first time then there isn't that much time to close that space. So are you going to get caught in transition? Um, no, if it, if it was a two-touch, though, like the, the, when he took okay. his second touch on the one that we talked about earlier, for okay. me, I'm, I'm, ve- I'm a very big proponent on, like, if I take that touch laterally or down the line, right. can we step up a little bit more to obviously close the angle down, but also that trailing leg? Depends on size as well. Like a goalkeeper who's six foot four, six foot five, could for sure be able to, like, get that leg out and make that save with the trailing leg. Uh, but from that really kind of acute angle, I think stepping up a little bit more, knowing that there's no opportunity to get a cutback situation is, for me, more beneficial. But again, that's what I'm saying. It's all situational, just something that I noticed. Of course. I, I want to bring up something real quickly, Sergio, because uh, I, I'm loving right here what's going on right here in regards to the positional adjustment when you're in that high position right there at that angle. And this is the kind of shape that I'm talking about with 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 with, uh, with this retreat right here, where it's kind of an open it's kind of an open shape, so it's a little bit more of a of a of a, of a staggered you know uh, diagonal drop. Yeah. But then it's a, re- a square up real quick right there, so you're you're able to readjust, you know, and you're not so so caught in that decision of you have to go negative. You have to go negative because you can square back up if you need to. Definitely. I think the big piece too, is just finding that line of the ball, which I think a lot of goalkeepers forget. And, you know, mm-hmm. even if the ball changes just, you know, two inches, the line of the ball changes two inches and we've got to continue mm-hmm. to Boom. just tweak and move on that. And I think that's really important. And yeah, I agree with you, Omar. I think, and some of the other things we do as well, and this just happens to be one picture where we'll add where now that player can attack the end line and add a second player. So I think that, that thought process as well, because I, I agree. I do think there's, there's obviously different considerations when you're dealing with one attacker versus now when you can attack the end line. And this is something we've kind of continued to evolve as we've gone through. Um, but I think it's it's allowed us to to be able to to deal with some situations we've come up with in, in the last in our last few games uh, pretty successfully. Um, you know, and given and Michelle having more time to make saves and seeing things a little sooner, and um, you know, I give her a lot of credit as well to to her positioning. Is you know, she does a really good job of studying video on a consistent basis of herself, of her opponent, and just how she needs to shape up little little half steps forward backwards where it is really to the details and i think that's an important piece that you know that's why professional goalkeepers are pros because they look at details and i think for younger goalkeepers the more you can look at how you move um, look at the details of your movement that's what's going to make you better 
Yeah. yeah, and I think like what you said, it's little movements, it's those micro movements. And I think that we've been talking about that a lot this um, past year on the podcast is that these aren't major adjustments. These are micro movements, whether it's a little adjustment to your positioning, a little adjustment forward, a little adjustment back. These aren't grandiose movements. If your positioning is right, is proper from the beginning, then as the ball moves, it's little adjustments, little yeah, no, and I and I and I love the fact, Saskia, that you brought that up because we t- talk about it so often on the podcast in regards to those micro micro adjustments, and we and obviously, you know, you know, uh, Sergio, we talk about literalization so much on the podcast, and, and young goalkeepers <laughs> taking things literal, and I, I kind of want a lot of My young goalkeepers thing. to understand the difference between a shift and 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 an actual physical movement. Like I think a lot of goalkeepers think that a readjustment or a repositioning is actually moving their feet and actually getting in a different spot as opposed to just a shift of body weight and a slight adjustment of the shape of the body is just enough that you need. Definitely. And I think, you know, I always talk to our goalkeepers about, you know, keep the ball in the middle of your body. You know, if, if, if the ball line is kind of at your belly button, it allows you to it put you in a pretty good spot to start with. And then from there you can make those little mini adjustments, but, you know, the slightest little change, the, that micro movement can make such a difference in your ability to respond to the ball. And I think it's something that, you know, you have to continue and still and continue to to focus on on a, on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. I think, Sergio, like you said earlier, too, about watching film and, and I bring this the goal that I got scored on when I was younger. I bring it up all the time, but that ball got squared. Is this the, from chi- one is this side the chipped the one when you're watching the <laughs> no, ice, cream, no. ice cream? OK, <laughs> no, but like I say, for example. I'm, I'm watching, you know, I'm facing the field and on the right side, the, the ball gets across. There have been times where sometimes I would come across way, way too slowly. And then as they shot the ball going far post, because my hips were reset because I was coming up to kind of react to the striker moving their leg back, my hips would rise. And then one slow roller, I think against Oregon State, just trickled by me far post. Uh, Oregon State and Sac State, damn it happened, it happened multiple times. But watching the film, now I'm, I'm realizing, okay, on my movement, you know, from mental recall, as I'm coming across, I need to gradually start to get lower and lower. But also, too, as I come across the goal, I need to start decelerating. So if I do need to go back the other way and I need to sweep that leg or I need to put my feet in the ground and then push back the other way, I have the opportunity uh, opportunity to do so. So I think that mental recall and watching the footage of yourself and other goalkeepers and seeing their mistakes or little minor differences that you can uh, approach to your game, I think that is huge as well. Yeah, I mean, Definitely. I don't think you you can't you can't travel across a goal at the pace of the ball, period. Because if you, if you're following ball and you're coming across the goal, the minute that ball's hit, if it's hit one time, you're already behind the shot. Your head's got to go first. Your body will follow, and then you have to decelerate. But you got to get there. If you follow the pace of the ball, it's going to beat you if it's shot. I mean, and I, 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 yeah, period. I mean, unless I, I'm it hits you. <laughs> Unless it hits you, which you know, then we all say great save, but we all know it hey. hit you. <laughs> oh, I've made, I've made, I've made, I've made I love some that. Of the- <laughs> That's my favorite statement in practice. Like Amanda, and then be like, great save, and I'll be like, oh my god, Kennedy hit her with the ball. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've I've made plenty of those in my time. Trust me. Uh, I, I will say this though, Saskia, I love what you're saying right there though, because I I. As, as arrogant as you want to be and think that you're as fast as the ball, the ball is faster than you. I'm yeah. sorry. Like it's just faster than, faster than you. And you're, you are, 
you are. Now, the problem that happens is because of that, especially at the youth game, Sergio, and I, I don't know how you felt about this, you know, working at the developmental stages, at the foundational stages, we're talking 9, 10, 11, is that the weight of the passes is so all over the place that the goalkeeper's timing of their positioning is, is so all over the place because yeah. they can't. They can't figure out when to set. They can't because they their 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 recall is like, well, I have to move that fast, but no, that kid mishit the ball, and then yada yada yada. Definitely, I think it's it's important to focus on just being able to track the ball and be able to keep it in relation to your body. And I think the more you can you can work on that. And and like I said, I use the ball line a lot as a reference when we're talking about these type of things. Um, and keeping that ball central to your body, I think it puts you in a position where you can, regardless of the the speed or how the ball is moving, at least in a spot where when, if you're set, you can then respond. Um, and I think that's an, an important piece for young goalkeepers. And that's something that I think we learned, talked about back at soccer plus that's kind of carried all the way through for me is, <laughs> is trying to keep that ball line as much as you can, because as simple as it sounds, I think it's, it's something that in the moment of moving quickly is a very difficult thing to do, but the more you can kind of keep that reference point, I think it allows you to put yourself in a position to be able to make a save. Yeah. It's literally the first thing that I, that I, that I do when I get a six, seven, eight, very, very foundational stages is teach them where their belly button is and how to get in with the ball line. And then everything follows from there. You know, and the parents think it's literally like magic, especially at that age, because so much of it at that age is just staying behind the ball. You also have to realize like as you get, as you progress in your goalkeeping and stuff that you, you have to have already taken a snapshot of the field and what's coming at you. So you have to know if that slotted ball is coming across where the runs are, you have to know what's going on. If you, like I say, I keep going back. If you're tracking that ball at the same pace of the ball and you don't know what's going on, you should be able to know that there's dead area coming up. You should be able to turn your, turn your head into the space, be eyes up, like where the ball is going to end up. Probably. What if they dummy it? Right. So it's coming set, go set again. Right. But if you're tracking the ball, then it's a dummy. Then you're another hiccup behind and so on and so forth. So this all is a progression in goalkeeping period. Yeah. Omar, Omar yeah. I apologize. I, I cut you off there, right there. No, no. And I, I kind of want to show you guys one little clip from our game. It, it's not so much positional awareness uh, from making saves. It's more like when you show for the ball and, and the depth between where your center backs are to where you are. And I kind of want to show you real quick just a. Uh, are we allowed to be on? Are we are we allowed to be honest on this playback on this break? <laughs> sure. I mean, it's from from the game from like uh, two weeks Bring ago. It. So he's got he's gotten better at it. But for example, <laughs> uh, okay, come on, come on, come on. So for example, here I liked his spacing from you know his back line and OC had a you know semi press usually press with one guy, but even this situation we did a good job you know playing out of it. Good. Okay, got the ball forward. But then here, I just felt like, you know, at times he was really, really close to his center backs. So now he's having to take this again. This is a good play. I don't mind it. But this last one, too, again, when you start realizing that the team's having a, you know, a high press and you need to start, they're going to start collapsing on you with the high press. And that pass most likely is going to come to you. In my opinion, you got to start getting more comfortable dropping in a little bit deeper. So again, here, if you know that ball's going to our center back, CC, drop off to the sick, get comfortable there. So now, if anything, they draw them out even further and you can play that ball across. But in this situation, again, within a half second, those guys are already on top Ooh. of them. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. You, see what, you see what I'm saying? So it's just, yeah. it, for, for me, it's just those kind of conversations where I'm like, <laughs> we talk about, we talk about positional awareness, being a pessimist, understanding there's going to be opportunities where you see the same exact pattern over and over and over from the opposing team, how they're pressing, uh, how many numbers they're pressing, what spaces are being left open. Can you bypass the first line of pressure? 
things like that. So it's like, can you get to that spot early? Like we talked about with Sas, like you, if you know that ball is going to travel to the far post, there's no need to go through the progression of near post, central, right. far post. Go straight across to the far post and then be set. Correct. I think that's the, that's the important thing as well, no matter right. what you're doing. Positional awareness, in my opinion, mm -hmm. comes from being a pessimist and understanding that there are progressions and times you have to go through progressions. But if you can bypass those progressions based on the triggers Agreed. that you've already seen in the game and the rhythm that's going, get there. Yeah. Agreed. And can, we some time for yourself, back, can we please go back to the clip and look at the baby pools? Vegas, Vegas. I'm telling put, you, Vegas. Put the clip back up. Put Hold on. I have to see this. We have to see this. We've got to see this. I was dying. I thought you saw my face, Mike. No, I got to see this. We got to put this back this up here. This is everything. Look at the bottom right of the screen. Look at the baby pools. Oh, my God. <laughs> You guys, it's it's very hot. <laughs> that was everything. I love it. Um, last last game we kicked off 110 degrees. Oh my gosh, Sergio, there's a Lavender Legion. Do they have a? They have baby pools at the at the baby baby games. Pools. We've got a playground in the back, which is great for the kids. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, okay. August in Cal August in Southern California is hot. Maybe I'll suggest it to UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was everything. Angel, no, but, Angel oh, City, Angel City. I, I love it. The baby pools. No, Omar, I totally agree, and that's what I was talking about. It's like, you, yes, we want to go through those those segments and stuff, but if you know, and if you take that snapshot of the field, and you know it's coming down on you, you can bypass that and get straight to the back post or get to where you need to be. Turn your head, follow, you know, and and be set on time. I think what I what I liked about that clip right there, you know, and Sergio, I don't know how you feel, feel about this, is that, you know, it teaches the goalkeeper, you know, to be humble because I think there's a certain level of arrogance to play that high when they're pressing when they're when when they're pressing like that. If you're going to consistently do that, and you start recognizing that you don't have the time, okay, if I keep playing this like this and they play me that ball, this dude's fast. There's I don't have the time. I need to I need to be humble. And I need to respect the speed of that player, and I need to start dropping. Um, and now I'm going to have more time to manipulate after that. Hundred percent. I'd rather have more time on the ball and be able to play the ball I want to play than have someone racing after me, you know, and trying to have to cut them. And I think I almost look at that almost like we, what we were talking about with you know with the shot stopping perspective of like giving yourself more time to deal with things. And I think, like Armar said, recognizing that by understanding, you know, the the picture that the the opponent is giving you, and how can you solve mm -hmm. that. How can you create yeah. more time for yourself? And I think yeah. that's an important part of the, the decision-making process. Sergio, I want... Go ahead, Omar. Yeah, good question for you. I mean, uh, I, the example I have from this weekend is our goalkeeper had an opportunity once, you know, multiple times to bypass that first line of pressure. But like Mike said, I don't know if it was arrogance or just being too comfortable, um, but he kept on playing that, trying to play that ball short. And of the only chances Tacoma got were countering on those situations. Yeah. So I kind of realized, I'm like, do I step in and go yell at him or do I just continue because he's 20 years old to make the mistake over and over and over? Then we discuss it at halftime. So for you, I mean, do you have any recollection of any times you've kind of, you know, lost your, your cool and said something? Or do you, <laughs> no or do you, do you normally kind of go, you know what, this is an opportunity them to go through the process of just kind of, you know, getting their ego dropped down a little bit or understanding that you need to pick up on the rhythms a lot quicker. Yeah, and I think it's either me ten years ago probably would have been yelling and screaming from the side. <laughs> I think I think now what I've learned is to have those conversations at halftime. I think because I think sometimes yelling and screaming from the sideline can add to more kind of yeah. chaos, anxiety. Or, 
anxiety and I think having those points right away. And I think, you know, I think the, the way you talk about it and the tone you have when you're, when you're talking about a halftime can really um, dictate how important it is. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, post-match when you're doing video, I think, you know, really highlighting that. But I, for me, I think it's, it's tough in the moment to, to really get after them. But I think you need to be able to, to have that conversation immediately at halftime, um, you know, and, and get that understanding right away. It's, it's a tough balance because you also don't want to put yourself down a goal because they continue to do it. But at the same yeah. time, you've got to, there's got to be a little bit of a learning curve for them. And maybe say, like you said, just kind of maybe, you know, knock them down off their, their perch a little bit um, yeah. and, and humble them a little. But I definitely think it's a, it's a halftime discussion of, Hey, you know, you're making your job way harder. And sometimes you get keepers and I had, I have a keeper like that. I had a keeper like, I have to watch how I say that, but it's, (laughs) it's, it's making hypothetically, hypothetically, um, (laughs) it's, let's say making that mistake and then trying to prove to everybody you could do it better. (laughs) (laughs) It's not, it was that water or vodka. No. <laughs> what happened? Vegas, baby, Vegas. <laughs> Vegas, baby, Vegas. <laughs> My point being is that sometimes you get goalkeepers. I don't want to call it arrogance. I want to call it more that they're trying to prove themselves in a sense like, all right, I screwed that touch up. All right, so I'm going to do the exact same thing again to prove I can do it, yeah. right, to everybody. Mm-hmm. So let's say they hit a ball, they take a touch, and they hit a ball, and it goes out of bounds. So I'm going to do the exact same thing again to prove I can hit that ball. And it's still the wrong decision. like to do it it's still the wrong decision to take the touch there it's still the wrong decision not to give yourself depth um who are you proving it to you know you know what i mean like the what's your what you need to prove is that you can make an adjustment from keep not keep making the same mistake not that oh i can actually take the guy on (laughs) like you know what i mean yeah I think it's hard in the moment to be able to do that too. Like, I think that's when yeah. that half time or even that video and it's like, yeah. all right, well, what are you trying to do? Like, you got to understand this is the scenario. This is, you know, you're and not, now they're you're baiting you. Yeah. We're not asking you to be a playmaker here. We're yeah. And now they're you know, baiting you. Like I, we were doing, we were doing that in practice once and Mia, a uh, Mia official and, um, and Raylan just kept baiting my goalkeeper and, and they were just hanging out and she's just like, Oh, I have time to take a touch. No, you don't. Oh, goal. No, I have time to take a touch. No, you don't. Goal. And I'm like, at how many times when we took a water break, are they going to strip you of the ball that you realize that they're just waiting? They're baiting you right now. And you're not learning. And you know me, I'm not a yeller. I did get a yellow card in the in the, in the sweet 16, but that's okay. Um, but I'm not a yeller at my players. Um, I, I'm a person that usually waits to have time to have the discussion as well. I think Omar, were we watching that on the live stream? Were we like, oh, there goes Sask with the with the yellow with the yellow card? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it was I think, I'm, I, he deserved it, jerk. <laughs> I think also too when we, uh, I think for me at least, knowing that these guys, the pro- the process for us is to get them from the USL to the MLS, and then obviously from then and beyond. I think for me that was understanding too of like I could say something, but I feel like that in a sense would stunt his growth. Uh, without giving him the full credit of maybe he has the answers himself. Obviously, the game's happening, but at halftime, maybe I opened the floor, which I did at halftime. I opened the floor to him. I said, what do you think about some of those touches? And then he's like, no, no, absolutely. There was opportunities for me to go over the top. All the notes that I had, without me like regurgitating them off my sheet of paper, he already gave them to me. So for me, it was like, okay, this guy's a smart kid. He understands what he's doing wrong. Maybe it's a little overwhelming in the moment with that you know, high pressure and you know, trying to do, like Sasha said, so perfectly or trying to redeem yourself within that moment. 
that can kind of, you know, infiltrate your head a little bit and mess you up. But at least I know for a fact that the conversations that we're having, he's the one steering them. And the notes that I have is exactly what he's noticing. But now, again, now it's about executing based on the information that you have versus, hey, anybody can have the information, but there's a reason why you're playing at the level that you're at because you're able to execute on that information. Yeah. Speaking of that, um, I want to show this. I want to show somebody who's playing at that level right now. I want to show Michelle Betos. Uh, and I want to show uh, this recent save that she had. Let's see here. If it's coming up right here. Also, Sask, if you ever say the if you ever say the name Mia, you, you got has to have Mia Ham afterwards. You can't, I you know. Mean, I mean, uh, wait a minute though. Yes, it does, obviously. And usually, when I say the name Mia, it has Mia Ham after it. But I needed to say Mia Fischel, who, by the way, is one of the up and coming best players in the world. So it's <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, good, good. It, work, it works too. <laughs> But I, I got your note. I'm writing your note down. <laughs> I, I, I want to bring this up in regards to, you know, all these pictures that we're painting at sessions and everything like that. When it comes to the game scenario, things don't necessarily work out the way that we, we you know, maybe maybe scripted it out, you know, in, in the session and everything like that. And you have to improvise and you have to be able to use what you've learned to be positionally aware. So I kind of want to show this clip right here with Betos right here. I think basically what happens is the ball is kind of lost. I think what, so the ball was lost around against Houston around, uh, what, 25 or so. So she's got to come off immediately, fast approach, slow arrival, holds position right there, is set, shot is hit. Now, Spill's not exactly where she wanted to steer that, so it's a little bit of a rough rough spill right there. But her immediate drop here, see that depth drop right there? To recreate that space to allow her time to react to the second ball right over there it is awesome in my opinion. Uh, Serge, I don't know if you want to walk more walk through it since you were there. So, Yeah, and I think it's... You know, I think you see a lot of goalkeepers that sometimes will chase those rebounds, and then it's almost – and you see it a lot, and then that ball just gets pushed past them. And I think one of the things, you know, we talk about in training, I think one of the things Michelle really works on is in that recovery save, especially realizing where it is, is right away dropping it into a position to be able to see the ball and then be able to react. Even though, you know, nothing comes of this, you can see that movement is to find the line of the ball right away and put yourself in a position where you can go instead of scrambling around, maybe trying to chase that rebound or, or wait. It's, you know, if you drop central, it's going to be much easier now to, to be able to deal with what comes from that. And I think it's a, a really good example from her. Um, also just her patience coming in here of coming and just holding her shape and not being, you know, maybe as aggressive, you know, I think, mm -hmm. you know, for me, and again, this is, this is a, Solely my opinion, I think dropping into that, that block save and looking to, to make that foot save all the time can sometimes be an issue. And I think one of the things that we talk about a lot is let it be a byproduct of your positioning and let the situation dictate it versus you forcing it in there. And I think here, Misha does such a great job of just holding and holding her shape there and then allowing herself to react. I think one of her super strengths is how, it, how explosive she is. And, you know, she puts herself in good positions to be able to react and not drop into that block where yeah maybe thank you and how she respond thank no. you and you know and we talk we absolutely force them to make them beat you like you know like instead of giving them the goal in a sense if you drop down into that block save you're done right there if she you know depending on where she puts the ball it's the same thing michelle aker said when we had her on force me to make a decision if you if you're giving me the answer that's what I'm hoping for. Are you going to keep coming at me? Fine. I'm going to tuck it by you. Are you going to go into a K-save too soon? Fine. I'm going to lift it by you. You know, but here she's forcing them to beat her with good positioning and they're not going to. Yeah. With pressure coming on you, 
She doesn't have all day. So you have pressure coming on. You have to make a decision. You have to make a quick as a forward. And if you make them beat you, try to beat you, you're going to, you more times than not going to make that save. Yeah. You know, but by the way, there's something, something I want to bring up right there in that, in that moment right there. And then I think a lot of young goalkeepers need to see that when they go, Oh yeah, but nothing, nothing happened of that play. Well, that's because she made that drop because she made that drop and did disallowed the opportunity for them to get a second shot on goal. That's why nothing came of that play. It wasn't just luck. Oh, she spilled the ball. Oh, she dropped it. They happened to not be able to get a play. play but on also goal. by her dropping, it allowed her defender, who was dropped for her, to go pressure the ball, right? Mm -hmm. So with that knowledge and whether there was communication there, I'm sure there was or not, you know, a lot of times you'll see the defender will stay, be the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper will start dropping and now, the, now nobody's pressuring the shooter and the shooter's like, boom, puts it in the corner, right? But because she dropped, it allowed the defender to pressure right and now the angle that 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 shooter had was nothing right the def the defender was taking away an angle the goalkeeper was dropping taking away an angle and now it's nothing right that's that's good that's good organization and communication across the board period or a lot of young goalkeepers wait and wait to see what happens and then they start to drop in instead of i think the more proactive you can be the more you put yourself in a position to make that safe you know um, and that's an important piece too. Is not waiting to to see what's going to happen. Is getting into the goal now and being able to, to right. deal with what what's next. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you. I think young goalkeepers make that mistake. What's the what's the forward going to do with the ball? Then I'll go. So so so, <laughs> so 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 let me ask you a question, Sergio. Just for some young goalkeepers out there who are listening right now, because again, we talk about them taking things so literal. What are some scenarios? What are some examples where you actually do need to? do need to cover that space and kind of, for lack of a better term, sacrifice time in order to make yourself as big as possible versus, yeah. versus sitting on that set on that second save or the first save, sorry, the, the initial save she makes. No, 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 no. I'm just talking about in just in, ge in generalities. I think that, yeah, that yeah. longer touch, you know, I think the cues that they give you, if there's time to, I think if you can uh, affect the ball, then there's a reason to come out and sacrifice that, that space. Um, you know, I think also dependent upon even in that second save, the rebound, where does the rebound go? What does the traffic look like in front of it? You know, you may not have enough time to get to drop in. You may, you may have to go into that rebound, into, into a smother or into a block, dependent upon, you know, where that, that rebound goes. Um, but I think it's the big piece is kind of reading the cues and how you can affect the ball. And if you can't affect the ball, hold. Because if you, if you go after a ball or drop into a save, to sacrifice that time and, and you can't affect what's going to happen. I think you're putting yourself at a disadvantage where you're not going to be able to, to do anything. You're going to get kind of stuck in between, or it's going to be one of those balls that beats you as you step forward, the ball trickles past you. Mm -hmm. That's that's a really good point. Um, Do we have time? Do we have time? How's everybody doing on time? Do we have time to put, play one more Mish's clips right here? Is that cool? Yeah. Everybody. everybody yeah. Mike, that? Well, one more. Go I, ahead, one more thing. I think, I think uh, in those situations, the way I communicate it to the keepers is like, we're as goalkeeper coach, goalkeepers are supposed to bring control to a chaotic situation. It's like controlled chaos. And I think don't bring more panic into a panic situation. Yeah. If there, if mm -hmm. things are transitioning <laughs> or things are happening, they, the team literally looks at you as, as the person who's going to, you know, steer the ship in the right direction versus yeah. adding to the sinking of the ship. Yeah. So I think again, yeah. in, in, in those situations, again, when we talk about pressure training, we talk about um, situations where, you know, they need to bounce back mentally, physically, and put themselves in the best position to make a good save and get us out of those uh, tough situations. 
trying to put that, like you said, Mike, in, in session design, uh, in transitional moments and all that stuff. So then it comes to this, they know that I'm not going to panic just because I see what's in front of me. And most people would sprint out and spread and go to the ground early. I know for a fact, if I stay back, like Serge has been doing in training sessions, keeping that depth, now I give myself the best chance. And I think that as many times as you train that and you make those mistakes in training, it's already refined and sharpened by the time you actually are faced within the game. Yeah, and on a note with that, really quick, by holding, by giving yourself some depth, by taking, by not adding chaos, I agree with you, Omar, um, you're also allowing your team to recover. So, like yeah. I keep saying, they're not, it's not, it's not a, maybe it is every once in a while, a mid from the 51 1v1, but somebody's trailing, somebody's coming, right? So, if you just come hell bent, and go, well, now you're making it easy. Now you're making an easy decision for for them. Like, make them slow down. Let your team get back. Let that pressure come on the forward. That's how I feel it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to bring this up, this clip right now, because I want to kind of talk about the fact of, you know, just how your the team's, you know, system, how your shape of your team is, and your physical attributes kind of affect that. Um, so this is a clip against uh, North Carolina. Uh, and, uh, Sergio, do you kind of want to walk us through – basically what happens right here uh, in yeah, the situation right here. And I think this is one where I, see. I think we see a lot of, especially a lot of young goalkeepers. I think as that ball gets played back to the top of the box, they tend to start to creep out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. that yeah. discipline. And not, I'm not talking about flying off their line, but in this situation, to me, in my opinion, to a step or two, and Michelle can't get to this ball because she's disciplined as the ball travels and holding her positioning. Mm -hmm. One, she creates more time for herself to see the ball through this crowd. And two, she gives herself more time now to react and make that save where yeah. I think if she's two or three steps higher, just because that natural kind of, as the ball travels forward, we travel forward. I think that pulls her just far enough away where she can't deal with the, you know, the pace of the shot and the fact that it's placed into the corner. I think she creates a really good space where now she can see the ball, but she also has time to react to it. I mean, I, and I, I, I want to bring up this, this thing right here. This, in my opinion, this is one of those dangerous balls where, you know, if you, chances are, if you come out for that ball, if you're, if you don't get, if you don't, if you don't get there in time, it, that's a, it's a, it's a goal. And that, talking about physical attributes, the fact that she's, she's good with her reflexes, the fact that, you know, she's quick getting low, those sorts of things. Like you have to take that into play and go, you know what, if I hold now, she's not so deep that she can't, that she's inside the goal. She's still a yep. little bit creeped up. Yeah. Uh, keeping your shoulder in front of the post right there. And then that way, when that save is made, she goes a little bit negative, but she still keeps the ball in front of the post. And that's one of the things we talk a lot about. It's like, all right, we want you to drop in, but we're not talking about dropping on the goal line. We're talking about mm -hmm. relative yard or two off the line. Like, especially, so we have our, one of our other goalkeepers, Katie Lund, who's about six foot one. Um, and even with her, with Gavin, her drop back in as well, it's the same thing. It's like, we don't want, I don't want you to go as deep, but I still want you to work back because mm -hmm. you're creating more time for yourself. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, Michelle does a great job of being disciplined in this too, because there is always that little kind of creep step you're going to take forward where here you can see how she kind of holds herself there. She creates, I think, a good amount of time to be able to see a ball coming through a crowd, which again, if you're two yards higher, you may see it a little later. There's a lot of there's a lot of bodies in front of you. Uh, I think the way the ball is played, it's difficult for her to come and get it. It's kind of coming back out across. So, you know, tracking it, staying on that line, and then allows her to, to get a hand on it and at least push it wide into into an area where we can defend. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think this is this is world class goalkeeping, in my opinion. What a, what a final action! Just the save, oof, per perfect. Omar, mm -hmm. anything you want to add to this? 
No, my mind is already going to what kind of a session design I can draw from this. Um, just in terms <laughs> of like that ball being chipped in. And I mean, I have a deflector shield. I think most coaches have it, but putting different mannequins in different areas where, for example, if I wanted to flick it onto, uh, onto frame or strike it onto frame, or I can lay it off to the top of the 18 or deflect it to the top of the 18. And there's a strike there now, again, we're replicating this scenario per se, where there's multiple outcomes and you have to make sure that you're, you're again, using the, the game in front of you as the triggers. I think also, I think also, Go ahead, sorry, sorry. I think also the good example of this is look at her positioning when the ball is at the edge of the 18 being crossed. She's not too far near post, right? So she hasn't pulled herself. So like a lot of goalkeepers here, look at her positioning. It's excellent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If, the, if she even mishits it, she's covering near post. Right. Yeah. And we have a lot of goalkeepers that'll come too far near post in this situation. Why? Right. You've got a defender there. You can't see me pointing at my computer, but you've got a defender there. You've got another defender that's, you know, look at the distance. So it's a micro adjustment. Right. So the, the, she takes a step, she crosses it. Now it's not a big movement. It's a micro adjustment to get herself back centered a little with a little bit of depth. Boom. She's in position. And that's kind of what I'm talking about where don't, don't pull yourself so far out of position that you have to make some massive adjustment. There's no need for it. Especially yep. in this situation, I think it's an incredible example, positioning across the board. Yeah. yeah and, and I agree. And, and, I think so many times you see, sorry, Michael, too, but that goal. goalkeepers going into the near post when the ball's outside the 18. It's, it's become one of my pet, pet peeves. Oh, so, these guys know so I the goal open drives think, me crazy. You know, it, it's such an important piece. Um, is to be able to read where that ball is going to go in that touch. And if they do get into the box, I still think you're waiting until they've penetrated in before you're sliding into that space for exactly that reason. You know, right. if that ball hit beyond into the middle pocket or the back pocket of the goal, you've got to be in a position where you can be effective in your movement and not have to travel eight so yards because you've pulled yourself into that near post well, so early. Yeah, by, by I the mean, way, I, give, I give the example of um, – our goal against Stanford, sorry, everybody, but our goal against Stanford um, for the end of the season, like, you know, so far, past, the Stanford goalkeeper so far past near post. And then when Raylan slots it and it comes across, her adjustment is so, has to be so much space. There's no way that she's covering it. And, you know, we score the goal. But it's, it's just like, don't put, don't watch your positioning. It doesn't have to be so extreme. It doesn't. Yeah. I think it's a great and I, example. And I, I want to bring up something right here, though, in regards to that play right there, Sergio, that, that I was just thinking about when Omar brought up session design right there, is that young goalkeeper coaches out there, when you're talking about painting pictures for your goalkeepers and the scenarios, you need to give every type of service that you could potentially see in the match. I can't tell you how many times I've seen a session drawn up like that in that exact same picture right there. That that service is never brought in. And so their goalkeeper never learns how to deal with that situation. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's always, it's even, it's always either a little too farther out or it's more inward, but that kind of that nebula zone and especially lower like that, they never, they never play those balls in. And I think it's just really important because that happens so often in games. Absolutely. With traffic in front of you, the ball's going to dip. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not going to be that perfect ball in your hands all the time. And I think what I try to do in our training sessions is replicate movements as much as possible yeah. in situations. And yeah, they might not be as um, have as many variables in terms of runners and things like that. But in terms of ball is here, ball moves there. What's how efficient can we be? These are the different outcomes that may come from it. And I think, you know, where that that's an important piece. Um, 
you know, for them to recognize what the movements need to look like and where they need to set themselves in order to make those saves. No, I mean, honestly, Sergio, this has been awesome, man. I think, uh, some, some really, 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 really good stuff, man. And I know you have, you've sent me so much stuff, uh, only so much time. Uh, we'll definitely have to have you back again, man. I mean, uh, I appreciate you you guys having me on. This has been awesome. Like I said, I've been a big fan and I know Dan said, said it last time when he was on, but a big thank you from, I think from the goalkeeping union as well. You know, the fact that you guys take the time and and the effort to put all this together, it, it means a lot. Um, I was commuting from Indiana to, to Kentucky for a while, and you guys were a big part of my uh, hour and a half ride. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's, oh, it's great to be able to just sit back and, and hear different opinions and different thoughts. And, you know, I think you leave every episode taking a little something. Um, and, and so thank you guys for, for all the effort and time you put into to putting this together. Oh, thanks. You know, I mean, honestly, I mean, it means a heck of a lot, Sergio. And, you know, I mean, we, we've even had situations recently where we've reached out to people and, you know, either, you know, because obviously the summer's so darn busy, you know, with, with susky has got your UCLA camps going on and obviously Angel City's starting to ramp up for next year. And, yeah. and then we got a, a project that we're working on and then Omar's got obviously the Vegas lights and, and everything. So it's very, very difficult for us to find. You notice how to- he blames everything on us. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I've got comedy shows. Wow. Like, oh, we're busy. Yeah. Sorry, and, uh, Mike. <laughs> no, but, but, but what I'm saying though is that you know, um, so I, I appreciate what people like yourself, you know, saying these things. You know, I mean, you know, for us, we 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 were trying as far, you know, because some people have been commenting like, hey, you know, you guys haven't been going as regular as you were before and stuff, and you know, we're we're trying our best here, uh, guys, to to create a quality product, and we'd rather give a quality product you know, then, then, then slap something together. So, uh, so, so, you know, uh, thank you honestly from the bottom of our heart. I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, other than, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you're just, oh, you're just listening to yourself talk. Yeah, I think, I think I am. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, Sergio, if people want to connect with you, where's the best place to reach out? Um, Twitter, Instagram, SGGGK77. I'm getting better with Instagram. I'm not on the damn ball level by any stretch, but I am, <laughs> I'm, I am, more, I am more than happy to, to share sessions, ideas, thoughts. Uh, I don't put as, as probably as much on, on Instagram as some do, but I am more than happy to, to collaborate and, and chat. Um, you know, so, yeah, you can find me there, and um, that's it. That's, those yeah. are probably the two spots for me that, that, uh, <laughs> that I frequent the most. Uh, and uh, and shout out to the, uh, the 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 once dormant Pro GK Academy uh, session designs, which is which are now coming back, uh, yes. back into full swing right now. So obviously, guys, you've checked that stuff out on Pro GK Academy underscore. Omar, I have to tell you, I did I did purchase some of your individual session stuff during quarantine when I was looking for ideas with our oh, at IU. Look so big shout out to you. There was some, there was some good content in there, and I uh, I definitely went and, and picked them up. So. Oh, dude, that was when I, I made that in like 2018 when I was thinner, uh, probably oh my still, God. Still, able, still, still able to die. Oh my God. Good ideas. You're, you're 28, Omar. You. So stop talking. Well, <laughs> well, well, you know, Omar, what doesn't help is when we had, so Sergio, we're at the Angel City uh, Crest Reveal Party last week and uh, shout out to Angel City and, and Suskia for that. And uh, both Omar and I got these massive burritos there. And uh, I, I ate half. And I'm like, I just can't, I can't eat, I can't eat the rest. I, I don't know what to do. And like Omar's like, wow, I got to finish it. I mean, he's like, what am I supposed to do with it? I got to, got to finish the whole thing. There was food. Uh, it was good. It was. Yeah, there was food. <laughs> Sorry. You were, too busy da- you were too busy dancing. You were there too busy you dancing. I was hyping <laughs> up the crowd. I know. 
Uh, guys, contact at insidethe18media.com if you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion or at Goalkeeper Podcast on all social media platforms. Uh, my tour schedule is being updated, guys, for comedy, so just check it out, michaelmagidcomedy.com. We'll be headlining in Orange County next Monday, July 12th at 6 o'clock at Dirty Nelly's. And uh, that's all the time <laughs> on Inside the 18, and we are out. Later, guys. Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we move on to our next segment, wanted to let you all know that it was recorded in January of 2020 prior to the pandemic, so some of the information may seem a little dated. However, so much great information regarding college recruiting, and this is the time of the year for a lot of that to be going on, we felt it was a great time to re-release this. Thanks again for all the support, and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18 Live from United Soccer Coaches Convention in beautiful Baltimore, Maryland. It is a beautiful day outside, actually. It's a, got lovely, lovely blue skies in Baltimore. It's supposed to snow tomorrow, though, so that's a, yeah. That's going to be. A, I love the way Omar just did that too. He's like, yeah. It's a, <laughs> We've been having sessions every morning, so I'm not. I'm just happy that the Saturday morning one is is called off now. So I'm just not. I don't want to be out there. It's it's fun as a goalkeeper because you can kind of stay warm. But as a goalkeeper coach, sometimes it's it's tough. Oh, dude, it's a it's, <laughs> it's definitely a difficult thing. Uh, I'm Michael Magid, by the way. If uh, any of the uh, people out there have no idea who this person is who's talking into the camera right now, uh, this is uh, Pro GK Academy's Omar Zini, who really doesn't need any introduction. I'm sure everyone on this little Mevo camera right now knows who he is. And we're also <laughs> joined uh, by uh, Brown University's uh, goalkeeper coach uh, Andre. Did I say Reese? Is it Reese? It's Reese, yeah. I, uh, I did it. I was about to go Heis. 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 Heis, which is the proper Portuguese uh, pronunciation. Uh, Andre, uh, what's up, man? You've been uh, you've been with us all, all week. This has been absolutely fantastic, uh, hanging out with you. And the craziest thing is, so I ran into Andre, and he's like, uh, I just thought he's just a goalkeeper coach who's, like, very knowledgeable and knows a lot about goalkeeping. And he goes, like, Hey man, he's like, yeah, I actually am really a fan. Like, I actually was just listening to you guys like a few minutes ago before <laughs> before I got here, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's an insider. We gotta have an insider on the podcast. We can't just just let him just be like, hey man, that's really cool. Uh, sorry, we got all these big people we gotta have on here. Um, but it's an insider who brings value. Insider and that's who brings what we, value. That's what it is. A lot of insiders they want to come on. I'm like, what do you do? Well, I'm like 14. I'm like, okay, you can bring value, but we want you know from a coach's perspective because that's what we you know sure. who we kind of go to. So you know what's yeah. just crazy? Sometimes like uh, we had a pro coach recently come up, and I'm like, yeah, hey, do you want to come on the podcast? like a very high level pro coach and he's like oh no you guys you guys have so much going on it's i just big fan i just wanted to talk to you guys and stuff you don't need to have me on i'm like dude you work with like national team players and stuff like that <laughs> like we're pretty pretty down to have you on the podcast uh so uh today's topic guys uh we're going to get into it by the way rate review and subscribe uh on apple podcasts uh spotify no you can't review on spotify which is you annoying uh, on stitcher pocket casts uh youtubes the youtubes um uh, 
guys, I, trust me, we're trying, trying to get that YouTube channel up. I, I, at one, one day, it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, as, as you know, uh, Omar spends you know 24-7 working on his YouTube channel, so uh, he does not have the time to do that. <laughs> I've been trying to do it, and honestly, my gosh, I don't know how you do it, dude. It's, uh, man, it, it's a lot it's of a process, work. but you, you figure it out, and I think that's the, that's the fun part of it, yeah. make things easier. I love the way Omar's like, hey, you know, you'll figure it out. And like, one, one day you'll figure it out. Like, it's just going to be this epiphany one day. Um, but keep doing that, guys. Honestly, it's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, people like Andre, you know, Insider, who's, who've been rating, review, and subscribing, it means so much to us. It's how people find us uh, on the charts. The higher up we move up on the charts, the more goalkeepers that we can connect with and, and impact. And that's really what it's all about. Um, so just please keep doing that. And make sure you're leaving your social media handle. Instagram or Twitter is the best way to do it. That way we know who you are. Because, like, if Andre leaves one and he just goes, like, you know, and do doesn't do it in, like, his, his Apple podcast, you know, like, name is, like, you know, like, goalkeeping one four and like i look for goalkeeping one four on instagram and like that doesn't exist or on twitter doesn't exist i'm like i don't know who that was but it turns out because it was andre rice or you know reese i, I just keep saying rice because i want to try to be more like yeah do it up yeah all right do it up all right <laughs> <laughs> uh all right let's get into today's topic guys uh today's topic is uh working uh omar you had the topic i'm I, I'm, I'm blanking right now no, so the reason why i wanted to have andre on is because i feel like um not that we don't cover the women's game as much but i just feel for the female goalkeeper, the recruiting process may be a little bit different. I know a lot of my, my sister rec uh, committed at, I think, her freshman or sophomore year of, uh, of high school. So I think the men and the women's side are a little bit different in terms of when you get recruited and how you get recruited. And since you're the goalkeeper coach at Brown University on the women's side, uh, I just wanted to have you on just because I feel like you can shed some light on that and kind of give us you know, your own personal methodology, philosophy about goalkeeping, but also how you uh, recruit goalkeepers, what you look for, and I think that's valuable for, for young goalkeepers and, and female and male, but mainly for the female one this time around. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. For sure. I mean, uh, first things first, uh, thank you for having me on. Dude. I mean, it's, uh, it's an honor. Uh, <laughs> every flight I've ever been on, I think I've heard you guys on a podcast. So, um, <laughs> And the tight schedule you guys have had with your superstar lineup <laughs> so far at the United Soccer Coaches Convention. I know. I, I love how Omar's like, he's like, you know, we don't focus on the female game a lot. I mean, we, just, we just had literally one of the biggest <laughs> female goalkeeper coaches in the world on the podcast prior to this. Uh, but no, uh, honestly, dude, I just wanted to prove to people that we have a fan. Like, that's, a, that's why we have Andre on. Like, don't, like, don't typecast him, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, no, get back to Omar's question. Let's, let's, yeah. be, let's be professional here. Um, so, so, I mean, biggest thing I look for in goalkeepers, I mean, is presence. Presence is something that you can't teach. I mean, we could, you work on technique. Mike works on technique. Everybody, every goalkeeper is focusing on technical yeah. aspects, but that's something you can always work on. I feel like presence is just something that, the intangibles. Yeah, yeah. It's just something that almost comes naturally. And in the female game, even when you're recruiting a goalkeeper, it's almost impossible to be like in a video training session or something. Be like, oh, her presence is fantastic. For sure, yeah. So, getting her in, getting her into a camp, ID camp. Um, seeing her on the field with other players she doesn't know in an environment that she's un uncomfortable with is huge, I think, to see how she perseveres and her personality and all those For things. For sure. Yeah. So in your league, uh, obviously, do you, let's say your head coach, Kia, right? Yes. So, so she says, hey, Andre, I know we have, uh, especially in Davis, for example, my the Big West Conference, there are some goalkeepers, or sorry, some, some teams that play long ball, some people that are technical. Yeah. So we want, as our coach always says, we want a goalkeeper maybe like 6'2 to 6'4, 6 6'5. 6 yeah. That's kind of the ideal goalkeeper situation because we want someone who's good in the air, someone who's also a good shot stopper. So from your guys' conference, do you guys take that into account? Um, I mean, our conference is very mixed in the style of play. Like, um, you got a couple teams that are really 
playing out of the back and playing short or in possession. Then you got other teams going to be more direct and mix it up a bit. But, um, no, I wouldn't say, like, for example, like you said, 6-2, 6-3, We don't have <laughs> – Obviously, in the women's game, that's hard to find. I out. was literally <laughs> thinking that. I was like, the way Omar was like, he's like, yeah, you know, six two, six three, six four, and I was like, uh, if you got a six four keeper that uh, that is that that you can find, and she's got presence, and she's technically clean, uh, <laughs> I'd do everything you possible, yeah. uh, to to get her to come. Andre's poaching the WNBA yeah, draft. Yeah. <laughs> All right, <laughs> yeah, get you some eligibility. Yeah, I don't know well, if you can find. Elena Deladone is going to play uh, for Brown University <laughs> as a goalkeeper. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you can find a six four uh, goalkeeper that's not going to trip over her own feet. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean. We don't have any sort of rule, you know. Like, oh, if a girl's five foot six or five foot ten, I'm going to look at her the same way. The staff's going to look at her the same way. Uh, every goalkeeper is going to be different. We don't have that robotic formula. Like, yeah. okay, we want a goalkeeper that kicks the ball seventy yards. You know, I mean, some we have even on our staff right now, in our team right now, we have some goalkeepers that they can kick it farther. Others can play shorter, short better. Better. Um, others are better in the air. Others are better in. Whatever it may be, communication. So yeah. there's no script. I mean, we look at everything and take everything in, into Got account. Got you. Yeah, sure. I, I want to talk about in a little bit about uh, the recruiting process because a lot of, you know, our, our insiders, you know, they, they reach out and they say, you know, hey, you know, I feel like the recruiting process on the women's side is very different than on the men's side. First off, mm -hmm. there's more programs on the women's side sure. than there is on the men's side. So the competition level is much higher. Get the opportunity levels is much higher, too. Mm -hmm. um, is there any... Do you, what differences do you see kind of like recruiting men versus women? Um, I think I was talking about with Omar a couple of days ago that I feel like if you show up to any guy on a field, you offer a full scholarship, you're like, all right, I'll go there. Yeah. No matter where it is, no matter what the academics are like, no matter where in the country it is. That's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> I literally didn't know anything about the school. And I'm like, they want me to play soccer there? I'm yeah. like, sweet, let's do yeah, that. For sure. Um, and on the women's side, I mean, girls are actually – more like inclined to be focused on academics yeah. and focused on social aspects. They're just the smarter school. people is what yes, you're saying. For yeah, sure. exactly. For sure. Like a female can be like, oh, I'm off you a full ride. And they're like, oh, no, I'm going to go to this school because they have better academics. Or yeah. I like where it's located. So I think it's socially, it's definitely different. Yeah, I think if you look at the top schools in the country, I mean, you look at, I mean, I don't know how UNC's academics are. I think they are pretty good. Uh, all good. the ACC yeah. schools. And then you have. USC, UCLA, Stanford, they run the Pac-12 because obviously they can, like you said, it's a full package. Yeah. They can offer the, like, pretty much not the booster, but, like, the alumni and mm -hmm. just kind of the notoriety of being at a school that's won national championships. Yep. And, you know, girls and guys, or, yeah, guys, too, who have played on the national team and played in World Cup. So that is probably one selling point. But at the same time, Brown is an Ivy League school, so you guys obviously have that uh, to selling point to, to players. Yep. Like, hey, even if, you know, soccer doesn't work out or even though you want to uh, pursue the professional career, things don't work out, we have this also as a yep. selling point. Do you ever sell that as a selling point to the goalkeepers? I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, we can do both, obviously. Kia has fantastic connections because she played in the professional women's league here. Um, so she can get you in there, and she has contacts overseas. And, yeah, I mean, the Ivy League, I feel like, in the women's game is really on the rise Yeah, because, um, because of that, because women are looking for the perfect mix of academics and, you know, soccer, high-level soccer. So it is a great pull that we can offer both of those things. Yeah, And, you know, going being in an Ivy League, getting an Ivy League degree. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, you don't have to work too hard to get a job after you <laughs> graduate. So, well, for so for you, in in let's say we'll take it through a day of recruitment. Yeah. Um, you step into the office, yep. and what's the best way? Or has someone ever surprised you in the terms of like this is how I usually recruit my goalkeepers? But I saw this 
video or this way the email was phrased or like what's something that intrigues you as a uh, recruiter? Um, I think one of the biggest things for everyone is that it's a personal email. Like we understand that yes, you're probably Mass. sending an email <laughs> to 50 coaches, <laughs> but dear dear uh dear on coach andre right and it's like and you know that like that was like put yeah. onto the exact <laughs> to a different person every single time yeah. like i'm very interested in like line brown <laughs> university yeah. no yeah, obviously we we know that they're emailing other coaches and yeah. that's fine i mean everybody has freedom to yeah. go wherever they want yeah. but let's say we played harvard yesterday like hey congratulations on your win against harvard like that means a bit more and that Maybe I'm going to look a little bit more into this kid. And um, obviously, we're all looking at the videos. If you don't include a video and you're a goalkeeper. Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult because, yeah, I'll start your email, but I'm like, okay, I don't have to good part. play. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know. How important is game footage? I mean, game footage is huge, but I love seeing training footage as well because um, then you get to see what you're going to see on a daily basis. But game footage is huge in regards to, you know, tactically positioning and playing out of the back, where they're picking up the ball, um, how confident are they, how brave are they, are they coming out of the box, sweeper, keeper. I mean, so many different aspects that you're going to see in a game that you won't see in training. But I love taking a look at both for sure. That's a really good point that you just brought up in regards to that's what you're going to be seeing on a daily basis. I never yeah. thought about that before, is that when you include that tr that training footage is you're showcasing who this human being is outside yeah. of the game too because you're like, okay, this is this is what I can work with this, this is the environment that I'm going to work with. And maybe in the game, even if I'm seeing some stuff that's sloppy, I can see how in training I'm going to be able to manipulate mm -hmm. that and, and develop this person. For sure. I mean, in training, like Omar, Mike, you guys, I mean, in training you're going to see everything you're going to see, in a, like they said, on a daily basis, their footwork, their handling. In a game, maybe they get one shot to their hands while they're standing up. Yeah. Like, okay, like she held, held that clean, but <laughs> you're not in. In training, you're going to see, oh, she has a little technical deficiency there. Yeah. Oh, maybe we need to work on that in training. So, For sure. So when you say when you watch the film and all that stuff, um, is there anything specifically that you look for? Um, you know, we all have different personalities. Uh, for me, at least, I like a goalkeeper that's technically or technically sound and tactically sound. So yep. through balls, being a sweeper keeper, that's big yep. for me. Are you good on crosses? All the major little points in college. But for your personality and how your methodology works, philosophy, is there something specific that jumps off the page for you and you go, hey, I can work with this? I mean, technically sound, obviously, is one of the main things you look at because, you know. Without it. You know, <laughs> it's going to make your job easier. Yeah, it's going to make my job easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're always looking for something unique. You know, like mm -hmm. like I said, we don't have a robotic formula. Like, all right, our goalkeepers need to, you know, this is the only goalkeeper we want. You know, they might check different boxes. Some keepers might be better in the air. Others might be better shot stoppers. Others might be better with the distribution. Others might be have more presence to them. So, I wouldn't say that there's a specific type of goalkeeper we're looking for. You, we're just, you, yeah, you, me I, yeah, not so much the school. I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I, could care, I could care less about Brown. Yeah, I'm talking personally. about you. I'm talking about you as a coach. Yeah. Me personally, I wouldn't say there's a specific type of goalkeeper I'm looking for. But distribution in today's game is absolutely huge. So that's... Women's game too, no? I mean, it's oh, like for sure. they're, they're, they're being asked to play more out of the back. And yeah, all that for stuff. sure. Okay. For sure. Like you, you see goalkeepers five, not even long ago, five years ago that – play the ball to their feet they're probably gonna pang kick it out of bounds yeah so yeah that's definitely something that now we're looking for more and more in video when recruiting is okay can she play around can she play short can she play those little clip balls into the 20 30 yard balls and can she play beyond channels you know, yeah you know beyond in the back line so it's definitely distribution is huge now but like i said a unique person 
unique trait is something that we're looking for. Gotcha. What makes this girl special? Those gotcha. intangibles is what you're yes. talking about, basically. Yep. So what are some of those specific intangibles that you can't teach that you want to see in a goalkeeper when, when you're looking at somebody that you want to present to, to head coach, regardless of what university you're coaching yeah. at? Yeah. I mean, size is a very unique intangible. Yeah. Obviously, you can't teach that, um, so that would be a unique. I would intangible. love it if they could teach size. If they could <laughs> teach size, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, me and you would be. I know. Uh, yeah. I know. We'd be in MLS right now. So. <laughs> we wouldn't be here at the Baltimore Convention. We'd be uh, at preseason training right now. You know, For with, sure. with uh, Nashville. You know, they've got only like don't they only have like one keeper right now? <laughs> Mike always keeper. knows who has one goalkeeper or two goalkeepers, <laughs> just in case he wants to come. Just back. in like, case I want like to come. Like just come uh, back. Yeah, just that emergency. That emergency. I w if they still do that emergency pool goalkeeper, I'm down with that. <laughs> that position just at Miami tomorrow you know at New York the other day yeah I'm down with that so height presence what else communication I mean there's so many goalkeepers they're phenomenal shot stoppers they're unbelievable in the air but their communication they're, they're, they're introverted they're, they don't feel comfortable telling people what to do um, they don't command the back line as well so I think like for me presence and communication is massive because you're not going to be making 40 saves in a game. Well, I yeah. hope not. Hopefully. Not. <laughs> um, so, I mean, preventing the di preventing that attacking chance before it happens is huge. So communication, it's hard to teach. You can help it. But that's also something that comes from the person, comes from their personality. Got sure. you. That's a tough thing, though, because everyone, like, I, I was actually speaking to somebody about this years and years and years back, and it finally changed the way I started coaching is that, um, it was actually Billy Stewart at Liverpool and the Youth Academy over there, and he told me at Dallas Cup, uh, you know, years back, he said, every goalkeeper's different. And if you're trying to train every goalkeeper to be like you, it's not going to work. And that goes with personality, too. If you try to take an introvert, if you try to take Alyssa Nayer, for instance, and try to make her Ashlyn Harris, it's not yep. going to work because they're two completely different human yep. beings, mm -hmm. you know? So how do you, how do you help an, int an introvert with their communication because I think that's something that's fascinating to me and, and it's always been very difficult to me because communication's always been easy for me because I'm a blabbermouth. Yeah. You know? So, <laughs> so how do you work with that? Well, I mean, you definitely have to put them in, in training. You have to put them in situations where they're required to communicate. Yeah. Um, I mean, small-sided games, for example, I think small-sided games are huge, not only for the team but for the goalkeeper because they're seeing so many different things they're going to see in the game. Yeah. And it's much closer, much tighter, so... The dangers, there's, you can always shoot on goal, so you have to communicate with your defender. Be like, all right, force him left, force him right, whatever it may be. But in a game, 11 v 11, maybe they're 40 yards away, and that person may not feel like they need to say anything yeah. to them. Uh, in a small-sided game, it's like, all right, the ball is 10 yards away. Like, What could you do to prevent that shot from happening? Sure. Or what could you do to prevent this run from breaking free or whatever maybe. Like you said, it's kind of preventative goalkeeping. We talked about yeah. like the FA yesterday. Uh, yeah. Tim Dimmer, he was talking about preventative oh, goalkeeping. Oh, you mean the brilliant answer that I gave? <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I know. It's pretty cool. That's actually why we're he's going to be on the podcast to do that topic. But yeah, whatever. It's totally cool. Hey, I asked him a question too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did Omar. We all said something. Omar, yeah. I think he answered it. He asked him a question. He shot him down. No, he liked it. Oh, he did like it? Yeah, okay. he was okay, like, okay. Uh, yeah. I asked him, oh, well, we'll get it to another yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll t maybe we'll talk about the Tim. <laughs> so no, like you said, it's like the preventative like aspect is like the bigger picture, but what attribute can you provide that are in intangible ones that allow you to be a preventative goalkeeper sweeper keeper obviously is more tangible but like the communication aspect are you higher off your line do you do you understand pockets of space do you understand yes. just your field awareness in a sense yeah. um, so I know you've done male and female goalkeepers I think a lot of us have, have covered both grounds as coaches mm -hmm. um, but for you now that you've kind of seen on a consistent basis three four times a week 
psychologically, socially, mm. in terms of like being coachable. Um, I find that women are much more coachable. Like they'll go out of their way to be like, hey, what did you see? What could I do dif- differently there? Whereas a guy, if the coach doesn't go and talk to him, he's probably going to be like, all right, I'm perfect. Yeah. I'm, I'm the next Kurt Stegen. I'm doing <laughs> it, you know? Yeah. Um, even we spoke about how um, you had a goalkeeper that he just didn't want to listen to anything you were saying. It's difficult, yeah. Yeah. Because they're stuck in their own way, yeah. yeah, in a sense. And I feel like in the men's game, that's much more common yeah. than in the women's game. The women's game, they're always reaching out. They're always, hey, can I watch film? Can I do this? Can I do that? How can I be better? Um, they're much more coachable. They'll take your your coaching points and they'll try and implement them right away as opposed to you almost hammering pushback yeah, a little bit you yeah know, you know trying to drill it into them and them not giving you anything back you know how about high balls is that something that is um you've noticed at all or or anything like that um yeah so going back to intangibles uh size mm. you know in the women's game you're not gonna find your Thibaut Courtois that's six foot six, right? So say Tim Tebow, I was like, yeah. <laughs> you're, not find, you're, you're not gonna find your Tim Tebow uh, that's gonna, you know, throw a game-winning touchdown against. You're the not Pittsburgh gonna find Steelers. your Tebow, and I was like, yeah. Courtois. Oh, okay, yeah. there we go. We'll bring it back. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, I don't know what the average goalkeeper in the women's game is about like five nine, five eight. Um, you'll find your five sevens, five sixes playing at a very high level, which you won't find in the men's game at the high level. So, I think tactically, it's a bit different because you'll see in the men's game that your six foot four goalkeeper, maybe they are standing at the top of their six on crosses. They're cheating a bit more. They're four five, six yards off their line. Where in the women's game, if you're five foot seven and you're at the six yeah. and the ball's played in the air and it's over your head, you have to have perfect recovery footwork for you to deal with that. When you're six foot four, you probably can trip over your own feet yeah. and still make the save. You know, mm-hmm. so I definitely in the women's game you do see the goalkeepers play a bit closer to their line on aerial balls. Um, but other than that, technically, all that stuff, I mean, it's very similar. I think it's just tactically it's a bit different, and socially it's a bit different. Starting so points. Let's talk about yeah. set pieces then. Yeah. Because if, if, if there's there's differences in regards to size differences from – because you're still playing in the same dimensions and everything like that, does your set piece strategy change? Um, I do think that you rely a bit more probably on your defenders to win those balls in the air that are probably, you know, in between in the second six or whatever or at the top of the six as opposed to maybe your taller keepers claiming those balls. So, yeah, you do start a bit closer to your line, I would say. But, I mean, for the most part, it's very similar other than the fact that the services might be different, might be a little bit less pace on them. Um, so if you do have that six-foot women's goalkeeper, maybe she can go get, go get those floating balls. But, I mean, you do see the trend is to play a bit closer to your line, protect the goal a bit more that in the men's game they take a bit more risks, yep. I would say. Um, and just being more of a safer goalkeeper, gotcha. I think. Yeah. 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 You know, one, one thing I like about the women's game, you know, personally watching the women's game is that I feel that technically it's cleaner than the men's game. Yes. Because it has to be. Um, you know, they, they can't get away with, you know, just to, I mean, trust me, there, I mean, there's tons of pace in the women's game, too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a, a lot of men in the men's game, a lot of times there's players just with no touch who can just fly past people, you know, that, that sort of thing. But I feel like in the women's game, just every time I play with, with, with elite women's players, their technique is so darn good. Yep. I mean, it's just so darn good. So do you think that's one of the reasons why it's easier to recruit the women's game at the youth level than it is at the men's level? Because you kind of already see kind of the full package? Yeah, I feel like, you know, women at that age, girls at that age are a bit more complete than a young boy where they're might be still clumsy or 
they're still developing a bit more physically where in the women's game the females are they physically mature, they mature yeah. a little bit quicker so you do see the full package a bit earlier um and even talking about technique you say they're technically cleaner i think women in the women's game the footwork has to be better so much better just because of that aspect yeah. of the height yeah. you know like maybe their their cross step or their decision making of claiming a cross they can't take a little clumsy step or take that step forward because they're probably beat you know they have to take that pause step or maybe a backward step to yeah. be, to give them create allow space, them time yeah. and give them create space to go and claim the ball amen um, yeah so true i want to talk real quickly just in, in regards to coaching at the ivy league level and recruiting at the ivy league level. i have to leave in about one minute mike my, my okay. you guys can keep going okay, okay, i'm cool, gonna cool. step out real quick yeah, my yeah, meeting yeah, yeah. is about to start no worries you Sorry. can catch omar zini at pro gk yeah. academy on all social media platforms yes I'll and right uh and he'll be he'll be back in a little if bit if i'm back before you guys are done i'm gonna hop back in all right all right all right Gotcha. Okay, that's what we'll do. Um, I want to talk about the recruiting aspect uh, on the in the, the Ivy League because it's very, very different than than the way it works with most Division One programs. You know, because you guys don't have uh, the traditional of you know athletic scholarship. You know, it's yep. all financial aid or uh, need based uh, yes. funding. So, how do you guys circumvent that? So we do have what's called supported spots where we could have every year we have a list of let's say six players okay these are our top players um they still have to be obviously very high academic but the school works with us a bit more in terms of like all right this girl she's going to be a big piece to our team um she has she's high academic and we want her on our team as opposed to you know i don't know what the chances are getting an ivy league school on your own it's about one percent so we do have supported spots, which is our what we call our scholarships. Obviously, money-wise, it's not going to change, but you do get a guaranteed spot in the school and on our team if you do check all those boxes academically as well. Okay, so that that's huge because I think one of the things that I've found in regards to, and I'm I'm obviously making a blanket statement here, and obviously every situation is different. Lower resourced uh, players that I've I've dealt with in the past and talking to their parents and stuff, and they kind of throw the Ivy League off the table because they're scared financially that it's going to be such an investment that 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 they can't they can't make it happen. You know, yeah. so so there are ways for you guys to help with that. Yeah. Okay. So we have need based aid. So okay. if they if they have lower resources, they will get need based aid. Um, but again, Ivy League degree goes a long way. Absolutely. So. Regardless, they might have to make a financial sacrifice in those few years, but in the long run, it usually pays itself back for yeah. sure. And I think you know another thing too is that you're still playing elite, elite, elite competition. It, yeah. You know, a lot of times people blanket the, they they kind of pigeonhole the Ivy League with the same as like the you know the the liberal arts D three schools. You know, we're very high level, you know, education and obviously don't offer scholarships as well too. And I've had a lot of parents who don't understand kind of that difference. It's like, well, you're playing Ivy League, it's still Division one, and you're still playing elite, elite competition consistently. You know, so is that ever a, a ta- you know something that comes into consideration in yeah. recruiting? Yeah, I think it's fading away a bit because I think everybody's starting to realize the value in the Ivy League academically and athletically. Um, for example, we were the we had the fifth highest RPI as a conference this year in really? Division One women's soccer. Wow! So that's huge. Um, us I'm not trying to throw put Brown on a pedestal, but we were in the top ten in the RPI uh, to finish the year. So we are, you know striving that the conference is growing i do think the conference is on an upward trend and even out of conference we're starting to play more and more competitive acc sec schools so um it definitely is high level academics and high level soccer 
Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you, you know, real quickly about this because we were talking about uh, working in the Ivy Leagues, you know, what you're looking for in youth goalkeepers. What's the situation in the Ivy League? Because I know all, a lot of coaches are very hesitant to work in the college uh, system because they're scared that they're not going to be able to coach youth anymore. Yeah. How does it work with a... Uh, because I know you guys are Division One, but it's a little bit of a different animal. Um, are you allowed to work with youth, and how far away are you allowed to work with youth, and, and all that sort of thing? Yeah, so you're allowed to work with youth as long as it's within, within a 50-mile radius of the campus. Okay. So, yeah, you're definitely allowed to work with youth depending on our schedule and all that stuff. So it has to definitely fit in because, you know, yeah. nowadays you're always in the office. You're out recruiting. You're training, you know, so it's hard to manage, but you can within a 50-mile radius. Okay, cool. And uh, and so and there's no issues with uh, if, if you're working at a certain club, if any of those kids are interested in Brown University, like how does that work? Are they? It's not like it's off the table for them because you work at that club or anything, right? Uh, no, it's okay. not. I mean, okay. that's why we have to. The school needs to know what club we're working at, who the kids are we're working at. So they need to know if it is a prospective student athlete that we're possibly coaching. But yeah, we could still recruit that that kid. Okay, for sure. So that's so that you basically have to give them a roster. Yes. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So how how does that work with private coaching? With private coaching, they also need to know. Okay. That where you're doing it, like who it is, what it is, but. I mean, they still allow you to do it. Ah, the NCAA, so much fun. <laughs> you gotta love the NCAA. You gotta but, love the compliance meetings every month. Yeah, really looking out for the little guy, the NCAA. They're yeah. just, uh, just, just all about making sure that you know all these, you know, uh, Division One, you know, uh, assistant coaches, you know, are not breaking in those big bucks, you know, on the side, right? <laughs> you know, sure. from all those, all those personal appearance, you know, appearances, and and all that sort of stuff. Um, uh, how about your your players, your your goalkeepers? Okay. Yeah. Um, are they allowed to? Because a lot of them, you know, obviously Brown, you're talking about very intelligent people yes. here, and a lot of them, you know, they strive to actually get involved in coaching as well too. They start their education early. Are they allowed to to work with youth players while they're at Brown University or no? Yes, they are. We had actually a couple of players, um, field players actually, that were working with a local youth organization, um, coaching like U10 girls. And um, we do actually, our ID camps, we have our players go in help us coach and help us evaluate uh because we do have a lot of actually interested players you wouldn't think at the ivy league that want to coach but we actually do so we get them in the id camps for example our goalkeepers i usually have one goalkeeper with me that you know is helping me run the goalkeeping sessions at the camps and uh helping me evaluate throughout all the games small side of games and all that stuff Nice. Now, what about what advice would you give to any you know young women out there who are playing in the college game right now who want want to get involved in coaching and uh, and start their coaching career at, while still playing at a, at a high level? It's because it's very difficult. Yeah, it is very difficult. I would definitely speak to your coach about it because um, nobody's gonna have more connections, more resources than them. So ask them if you could start helping out with your youth clinics or your ID camps, or maybe they can get you in with a local youth club or even a town organization where they can start feeling comfortable coaching even with the little ones and then build from there i would say do you feel that there's an issue when a, a let's just say a, a veteran goalkeeper uh helps out with the goalkeeper coach in regards to running the sessions do you feel or do you feel like you can make that happen and it's it's not stepping on anyone's toes or do you feel like there has to be that disconnect between player and coach you're saying a per player that plays for you, for me. Mm -hmm. um, no, I think it's great for them to see because they see it completely differently. I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like I've become a better goalkeeper since I became a coach. Absolutely. Yeah, for I, sure. I feel like I train less as a goalkeeper now, obviously, and I still feel like when I hop in a, in a match, yeah. I'm a better goalkeeper than I yeah. was when I was actually playing at a competitive level. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they definitely 
it's great to see it from a different pr perspective, see what I'm seeing, see what the goalkeeper coach is seeing. Um, and I feel like it makes them better when we when we go back into training the next day because they're I'm about to give a coaching point and they're freezing it and they're like, oh, you should do you could do this and this. So it's great for them to see what I see on the other side. For sure. Yeah, I think that's I think so. I think that's the, the number one thing I think a lot of those people need to take from that is that if you want to become a better goalkeeper, you have to become a goalkeeper coach. Really, honestly, there's no other way to become a better goalkeeper. Whatever the training happens, that's totally cool. Just uh, end up doing what we're doing and uh, just <laughs> yeah. spend a lot of time in offices and stuff like that. Yeah. You'll become a better goalkeeper. That's the only way. Yeah, it's the only way. Uh, <laughs> honestly, uh, Dre, I'm, 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 I'm starting to get wiped. I, I know uh, we've, we've been going for, you know, not, not too long here, um, you know, but I, I feel like we've gotten a lot of valuable information. And yep. I know I'm sure there's a lot of sessions you want to get to. Um, real quickly, I know this is a real tough one because NCAA restrictions, it's so difficult, you know, for people to reach out to you. I don't know what the rules are right now. They change every 10 days. Yeah. So uh, if uh, if there's a, a – uh, I don't know how people can reach out. What's the best people people to reach out to you? And yeah. who is allowed to reach out to you? Okay, if you are not – if you are under – if you're not a junior in high school, if you – Message me. I am not allowed to respond. And thank you for bringing that up because I feel like a lot of parents out there, they just don't know the rules, yeah. you know, and they, they hear this podcast with you and they go, that guy was awesome. I want to reach out to him. I want to get advice on this and stuff. And you're like, oh, is your kid interested in going to Brown? I can't talk to you. Like, yeah. yeah. So, okay. So that's good. So before junior year. Yeah. Okay. You can't. So in the summer of junior year, of going into your junior year, you're finally allowed to contact. Well, you're not, you're always allowed to contact the coach. The coach is allowed to contact you back with anything other than camp information. So we're allowed to respond with camp information, but nothing other than that, nothing personal. Um, so whether it is a social media message or an email, there's nothing we can do about that. Okay, Okay. so uh, what if you're not a prospective uh, Brown student? Where's the best place for people to reach out to you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Okay. Um, it's at Coach Andre Reese. Uh, that'd probably be the easiest, most accessible way for me Okay. To respond, especially because my email is always getting flooded. So I, I, I can't even imagine how much it, it gets bombarded. You know, yeah. um, I, you you probably have one of those automatic replies, don't you? No, no. Okay, no, okay. No. Everything's personal. Okay, everything's personal. Um, <laughs> all right, guys, that's all the time on Inside the 18 today. Remember, contact at insidethe18media.com if you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion, or if you're a huge fan and you want to come on the podcast and you want to say, hey, you know what? You just had a fan on what? Why can't I come on? I say, okay, what, what value do you bring? And then if you tell me the value you bring, maybe we'll get you on the podcast. Um, at Goalkeeper Podcast on all social media platforms except for Twitter, at Goalkeeper Pod. I've been Michael Majid. This has been Andre Reese. We're out. Later, guys.